All right, good morning. Great to have you company. It is Monday, January 18, 2021, as we get into a brand new working week around Australia here on the Super Radio Network. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. The open line number is there for you, 13 12 69. 13 12 69, that's the telephone number. If you want to send a text message to the program, you can do that right now as well, 0458 049 209. And you can send us an email, mpinthemorning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Plenty of news around. Let's get stuck into it this morning. Of course, those up in the northeast of Queensland feeling a little uneasy this morning as a tropical cyclone bears down on the state. We'll update you on the latest information on that. And I see that the Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, is flexing a COVID muscle. No jab, no way. I'd love to get your thoughts on this this morning. Anti-vaxxers who don't get the COVID jab could be prevented from entering certain venues, including pubs and clubs, under a suggestion that's been flagged by the New South Wales Premier. Mm. Let me know your thoughts on that. Yeah, the Premier's left the door open to the radical plan to incentivise the jab with high vaccine take-up considered crucial to getting life back to normal here in New South Wales in particular. The Premier indicated that certain venues may require patrons to prove their vaccination before entering. Interesting. Now, if this plan does go ahead, hospitality venues seen throughout the pandemic as so-called high-risk settings could be encouraged by the government to require proof of vaccination for patrons. I think that will be very controversial. Give me your thoughts on it. 13 12 69, the telephone number. That's certainly going to be a big story today. Front page of the Daily Telegraph in particular, running with the exclusive of No Jab, No Way, a pub ban plan for anti-vaxxers. Well, what do you make of it? Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I'm kind of in two, wor- uh, two minds on that. We've got to do everything we possibly can to stamp out this virus. Maybe it is the way to go. Look, it doesn't really bother me. I'll get the vaccine if I'm told to. If I, if it means that... Look, I will anyway, all right, because I've got people in my life who are vulnerable to COVID-19. So I will. Absolutely, I will. What about you, though? Give me a call, 13 12 69. But importantly, it'll be interesting to see what uh, people make of this. I'd love to know what the... You know, the, the pubs and clubs of New South Wales feel about this. Clearly, clearly, uh, we're going to be looking at overseas travel toward the end of the year. And will that mean that you'll need to be jabbed as well? Well, I would imagine that's going to be the case, considering a lot of airlines seem to want to follow Alan Joyce and Qantas's role in ensuring that all passengers that board an aircraft heading overseas will have people who've been vaccinated against COVID-19. I don't think it's any different to getting a normal vax. If you're heading anywhere else around the world, quite often you'll need a, a vaccination of some sort to keep you safe from some of the nasty illnesses that are in some parts of the world. Look, another story which might uh, get you going this morning, Sydney childcare prices. 
there's been a study which shows where childcare fees have gone up the most during COVID-19. And some of the lists, I have to say, are probably in some of the more lower socio-economic areas of Sydney. Story is that some parents are paying more for childcare in inner city, but the biggest single price hikes have hit the outer suburbs the hardest, creating significant barriers for parents to return to work. Richmond, Windsor, Rouse Hill, St Mary's, Campbelltown, Penrith and Liverpool have had the largest cost increases for full-day childcare in Sydney. That's after an analysis of the hourly rates in the 12 months to March. Before temporary COVID-19 measures kicked in, care remained the most expensive in North Sydney at an average of $14.55 an hour, followed by the eastern suburbs with a rate of $14.37 an hour, according to Department of Education figures. But in places where childcare has historically been more affordable for families, the prices have risen quickly, due in large part to increased demand and ballooning operation costs. Richmond and Windsor jumped 6.95% to $9.51 an hour. Rouse Hill and McGrath's Hill increased 6.7% to $10.44 an hour. Penrith, childcare in Penrith, the cost has gone up 5.2% to $7.77 an hour. Campbelltown increased 6.6% to $9.11 an hour, while Liverpool jumped nearly 6% to $9.42 an hour. Now, the steep increases have outstripped inflation, which the current means-tested childcare subsidies are tied to, leaving parents even more out of pocket. Uh, we might talk to Labor's childcare spokeswoman, Amanda Rishworth, about this today. Uh, but the out-of-pocket expenses are expected to increase with an average 4.1% fee hike annually across the country for the next four years. So, childcare, is it costing you more than ever now? Let me know, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Well, I think it would have been as clear as the nose on your face that we'd have some issues here with COVID-19 and a whole swag of tennis players and their hangers-on and all of their entourages arriving in our country. A fourth. Australian Open arrival has tested positive for COVID-19 as the state's quarantine boss refuses to quote-unquote water down hard lockdown directions for players deemed close contacts. Uh, The COVID-19 quarantine Victoria Commissioner Emma Kassar over the weekend confirmed a broadcast team member on one of two flights to arrive from Los Angeles on Friday has returned a positive test. It means four people from the 1,200-strong international tennis contingent have tested positive, with the Victorian government continuing continuing to defend its decision to push ahead with the Grand Slam tournament. Well, of course they're going to have to push ahead now. They're all here. They probably shouldn't have come in the first place. The positive tests have forced 63 close contacts into hard lockdown for the next two weeks, including some 47 players. They were originally given an exemption to leave their quarantine hotel to train up to five hours a day if they returned a negative test. (laughs) But now, (laughs) they can't. Hard lockdown for the next two weeks. And you know what's going to come next, don't you? 
A whole swag of tennis players complaining they can't get out to train. <laughs> because, why? Well, they're in hard lockdown. Boy, oh boy, what an absolute mess. Yep, here we go, I've got it here. A number of Australian Open tennis players are up in arms about having to be confined to their hotel rooms for a fortnight after people on their flights tested positive to COVID-19. Dozens of players are now in isolation in their hotel rooms in Melbourne. Now, the tournament will get underway on February 8 and apparently will be going ahead despite all this upheaval. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's almost laughable, really, isn't it? All right, now, let's have a look at some of the other COVID-19 stories from the weekend. Well, police have charged a man who was found not wearing a mask on public transport on the Central Coast. Not only did this bloke not wear a mask, he decided he'd carry on like a complete galah and take on the police. Uh, The officers spotted the man on a train near Gosford on Saturday afternoon and asked him if he had a mask. The man then became super aggressive, punching an officer before biting him twice. What a moron. The 43-year-old was arrested after a struggle and will now face woi woi local court next month. What a grub. I mean, imagine biting a police officer simply because you're asked if you're wearing a mask. It's not good enough, is it? Give us a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, Marcus Paul in the... Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back. It's now 19 after 6. Let's go to the open line. Jason, good morning, mate. How are you? Jason. Oh, yeah, go mate. Here you go. I'm sorry. I was You're all right. a bit loud. No worries. Yeah, um, seriously, what, where does the Premier get off thinking she's going to force us to have vaccinations to be able to go to the pub? It's just ridiculous. Well... We live in a Soviet country. Well, you know, no, we're not. I'm not you know, I've got to put her off, get it off my chest. I'm not an anti-vaxxer by no means. I've had all my vaccinations, yeah. get the flu shot every year. Mm. But this is just ridiculous, you know. You go to the pub now, you scan your phone, you get the QR code, you're in the, in the system, you know, you've already been there. Yep. And I know you are. But what more do we need, really? Like, this is just ridiculous. All the pubs where I come from down in the Riverina, yep. um, no dramas at all. All good. Oh, no, I think she's well off the mark here. All right, mate. Well said. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Yet the story is those who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID-19 could be barred from venues such as pubs and clubs, according to the Premier Gladys Berejiklian. Uh, she said she wanted to incentivise the jab as a high vaccine uptake was crucial to getting the state back to normality. She indicated certain venues might require patrons to prove their vaccination before gaining entry. Quotes, clearly, opportunities to travel overseas or opportunities to enter certain workplaces or venues might be enhanced if you have the vaccine, she said, unquote. Well, what do you make of it? 13, 12, 69. I put a uh, link to the story up on our social media this morning. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. I tell you what, already, uh, Gary says anti-vaxxer. It's a rushed out, not fully tested vaccine. Anyone with any common sense knows this. No wonder the level of suspicion increases each day. Needs a few years of seeing the side effects of adverse reactions first. Laura says, yeah, nah, not yet anyway. Uh, Nige, no way. And Vincent's, 
I already had a low opinion of the Premier and it's just gotten lower. All right. <laughs> what do you make of that? 131269, the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. Now, Sydney neighbourhoods are being split over rate payments as the state government's controversial council mergers drive up costs by 40% in some suburbs, while nearly nearby homeowners rather save several hundred dollars a year. I'm going to give you the detail on this story in just a couple of moments, but it's in the Herald today. The Inner West City Council, which includes Marrickville, Leichhardt and Ashfield local government areas, are among Sydney Council's consulting ratepayers on plans to merge various systems for rates into one. Now, what will it mean? Higher or lower rates? I'll go through the detail in just a couple of moments, but it's very concerning. What do you make of it? 13 12 69, the telephone number. 22 minutes after six now. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69, my telephone number. You can send us a text 0458 049 209 on Monday morning. I'm not surprised, not everything lasts. All right, welcome back to the program. 25 minutes away from 7. Now, after 7 o'clock this morning, that's New South Wales Daylight Saving Time, of course. We're going to catch up with Wes Lambert from the restaurant and catering industry. He's their uh, CEO. This will be on the suggestion by Premier Gladys Berejiklian that people may need to prove that they have a COVID-19 vaccination before entering hospitality venues. It's a story that's front page of the Murdoch Press today. No jab, no way is the story. A pub pan, a pub ban plan for anti-vaxxers. Well, what do you make of this? Those who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID-19 could be barred from venues such as pubs and clubs, according to the Premier. Well, we'll find out about it a little later, what the restaurant and catering industry have to say. Uh, by the way, uh, being a Monday, we'll catch up with Nikki Fay. Uh, we'll talk social media, socially speaking with Nikki a little later, just after uh, 7.30. And something special today after 8 o'clock. It's been just over a year, I think it is now, that we lost the late, great Grant Goldman. Now, we were going to have a little tribute to Grant on Friday, but we've held it off to today, OK? So... Uh, the late Grant Goldman's wife, Manel, will be coming into the studio. We'll be speaking to Mike Goldman, uh, who's doing extremely well in the media himself. And a little tribute today for fans of the late, great Grant Goldman. Of course, Grant's, we broadcast out of Grant's studio here at 2SM in Sydney. And we'll remember Grant today a little later on the program. That's after 8 o'clock. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have your say... You might have heard during the news that far north Queensland residents are hunkering down with a tropical cyclone expected to bring destructive winds and heavy rain when it makes landfall. The Bureau yesterday declared tropical cyclone Kimi had quickly developed around 200 kilometres north to northeast of Cooktown. It was moving quite slowly at around 7 kilometres an hour earlier this morning. The Category 1 system is forecast to continue turning southwest and cross the state's north coast near Innisfail early tomorrow morning. Now, the Bureau says there is considerable uncertainty 
about crossing time and location. But the prediction is around Port Douglas, perhaps, and it could well intensify to become a Category 2 system. Let me know what's on your mind this morning. 13, 12, 69. Australian Open plans have been rocked again after another person who flew into Melbourne with tennis players and officials returned a positive COVID-19 test last night. That's four now. Four new cases of imported COVID-19. Just wonderful, isn't it? All of the 58 passengers, including 25 players on board Qatar Airways flight QR7485, must now complete a 14-day mandatory quarantine. In fact, I'm reading here now, it's the fifth case and third flight affected since people began arriving in Melbourne for the Open last week. Although Tennis Australia said all five cases tested negative before their respective flights. There are now at least 72 players isolating who will now not be allowed to practice during that time. Now, some have already been complaining on Twitter. Uh, They were not told the whole flight would have to isolate if one positive test case was found. Others said they had been informed of the rules and COVID-19 quarantine. Victoria Commissioner Emma Kassar says the quarantine program would not be watered down despite complaints. At least two players have been cautioned for what they're calling low-level but dangerous acts after opening their doors to talk to people down a corridor inside their hotel accommodation. Meanwhile, in a separate report, kids as young as nine returning unaccompanied to Australia are being forced to isolate alone for two weeks. Unescorted children were previously allowed to self-isolate at a private residence, but a new public health order was introduced last month amid alarm about the more virulent strain of COVID-19 from Britain. It seems completely outrageous, according to some parents, who decided to enter isolation as well, so their child would not be alone. I mean, kids do have incredibly stressful experiences. Uh, And I've got to be honest, you wouldn't want to have your own children isolating alone by themselves inside a hotel, would you? I don't think so. Meanwhile, here in New South Wales, six local cases were reported yesterday, including a worker at Concord Repatriation Hospital. All of the cases are close contacts of a Western Sydney man who tested positive a day earlier, but the original source of these new cases is still under investigation. Contact tracers are also still hunting for the elusive Patient Zero of the Northern Beaches cluster that triggered a lockdown and ongoing border closures. Authorities believe it originated in an international traveller, but they're at a loss as to where the quarantine system broke down. There we go. In vaccine news, health experts say Australians should not be alarmed by reports that up to 30 elderly people in Norway have died after receiving the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccination. The Norwegian Medicines Agency could not rule out the possibility that vaccination or vaccine side effects, including fever and nausea, contributed to the deaths. But it said many elderly people with underlying diseases are being vaccinated. So it's expected that deaths close to the time of vaccination may occur. Meanwhile, back home, 
And our Health Minister, Greg Hunt, said Australia is proceeding with an abundance of caution in approving the vaccine, but there are no plans to change the rollout, which is scheduled to begin next month, pending approval. Professor Julie Lessick, a World Health Organisation advisor on improving vaccination uptake, said the public must be kept informed when it comes to vaccine news. All right, now Sydney neighbourhoods are divided over rates payments as the state government's controversial council mergers drive up costs by up to 40% in some areas, while other residents will save several hundred dollars a year. Yeah, this is the story from Megan Gorry that I mentioned just before our 6.30 news. Now, under the plan for the Inner West Council, ratepayers in places like Marrickville, Dulwich Hill, Petersham, Newtown and Enmore reported increases of up to 24%. But costs will fall for many in other areas, neighbouring areas, Leichhardt, Balmain, Lilyfield and Birchgrove. The council also wants to lift its, lift its minimum rate, that's the amount paid by most apartment owners, by around 20% from $710 to $850. In the Bayside Council area in Sydney South, some residents are facing increases of up to 40%. Imagine that, copying a 40% increase on your rates notice this year. Now, some residents obviously are unhappy Someone who's been quoted here in today's Sydney Morning Herald is Jane Sinclair, who says she will have to pay $396 more a year. And she claims that residents in areas with higher property prices will pay less. She's told the Herald we have friends in Ashfield and Balmain and their rates are going down, while ours are going up and there's been no increase in council services. Tony Dask... Another Marrickville resident will pay $443 more per year and he says people are shocked and appalled by it. Well, why is it happening? Well, Megan Gorry in her report says all 17 councils that merged in 2016 are required to shift to one rating system this July. Now, the state government has said it will introduce draft legislation to allow councils to make the changes gradually over four years to avoid sudden increases. But independent councillor Pauline Lockie says the problems were due to, quote, a bad government policy. We're part of a council a lot of us didn't want to be part of. Well, if those rate rises affect you, I mean, give us a call, 13 12 69. That's the telephone number. The open line is there for you to have your say. If you want to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Uh, by the way, despite the economic downturn, Sydney's average house price has risen 4% in the year 2020 to edge above a million dollars. Banking regulators say they could tighten lending standards if low interest rates result in a housing boom. And that, of course, risks leaving buyers in negative equity or taking on too much debt. Separately, housing advocates have criticised a $900 million development proposal around Waterloo Metro in Sydney, which includes rooms for almost 500 students and a new office building, but fewer than 100 social and affordable homes. And, of course, that's where it all comes down, doesn't it? Social and affordable homes... Any new developments, I believe, that are uh, approved in Sydney 
particularly around areas where there are universities, well, I think there should be some allotments of affordable housing. Otherwise, how on on earth are people going to afford to live there? If you want to have your say on this, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, 13 12 69. The other issue this morning that we can talk about is the rise in prices for childcare centres. Obviously, childcare fees have gone up during COVID-19, unfortunately, but some of the areas that have copped the biggest increases include Richmond, Windsor, Rouse Hill, St Mary's, Campbelltown, Penrith and Liverpool. I mean, these are areas of Sydney's west and southwest that you'd probably ill afford it the most. Before temporary COVID-19 measures kicked in, care remained the most expensive in North Sydney at an average of $14.55 an hour, followed by the eastern suburbs at a rate of $14.37. That's according to the New South Wales government. But in places where childcare has historically been more affordable for families... The prices have risen quickly, due in large part to increased demand and ballooning operation costs. Richmond and Windsor jumped 6.9% to $9.51 an hour. Rouse Hill and McGrath's Hill increased 6.7% to $10.44. Penrith went up by 5.2%. Campbelltown increased 6.6% and Liverpool jumped 5.9% to around $9.42 an hour. Now, the steep increases, of course, have outstripped inflation, which the current means-tested childcare subsidies are tied to. What does that mean? Well, more and more parents are further out of pocket. Two SMs. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give Marcus a call. 13 12 69. All right, a little bit of uh, news coming through uh, this morning. Phil Spector um, apparently had some weird music that he put together in the uh, 70s and 80s. Just having a look at the bloke makes me want to hurl my breakfast up. Uh, he was also, of course, found guilty of murdering somebody. He's died from COVID-19. All right, that's probably all we'll say about Phil Spector, but he's gone. Uh, Look at the photo. Jesus, he looks like death warmed up. Um, Better news is former Red Wiggle, Murray Cook. He's set to make a comeback after undergoing open-heart surgery. Much, much better. Much better news than Phil Spector, for God's sake. 131269, the telephone number to have you say... A CFMEU official is calling on Labor to remove Anthony Albanese as its leader. Really? The Australian, well, I don't know. I really don't know. The Australian will do everything they absolutely can to stir up a, uh, well, a Labor leadership spill. Stand by. Joel Fitzgibbon will be brought into this, as will others. The Australian reports Elizabeth Doidge wants Albanese to be dumped after a Union Commission poll found the ALP could lose two seats in its political heartland at the next election. There is speculation an election could be held in the second half of this year. Well, we've spoken to Anthony about that last week. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, what about Tanya Plibersek? Would she replace Anthony Albanese as federal leader? I'm not quite sure. Does Anthony Albanese need to go? I like the bloke. He's on this program quite regularly. I don't know. 
What do you make of it? Give us a call. A CFMEU official is calling on Labor to remove Albo as its leader. They claim that he could be costing them seats at the upcoming election. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. Seven minutes away from seven, away from six in Queensland. It's Marcus Paul in the morning on this Monday. It's January 18th. Welcome to the yeah, John Mayer, Marcus Paul in the morning. We're off to the news at 7 o'clock. After 7, we're going to talk to the restaurant and catering industries, Wes Lambert, on the suggestions by the Premier of New South Wales. There could be a pub ban for those who refuse a COVID-19 vaccination. Details soon. 2SM. 2SM. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give Marcus a call. 13 12 69. Yeah, just warming into it for a Monday morning on this January 18. It's great to have you company. We'd love to hear from you. 13, 12, 69. There's a little bit of news around. Now, Sydney testing morning. The Premier, well, uh, she says we need to get out and about and get tests. As six new locally acquired cases were recorded over the weekend yesterday in particular, was a bit of an alarming day for New South Wales Health. But the Premier has also, this morning, I think, thrown a bit of a spanner in the works. I mean, there's all this discussion about a COVID-19 vaccination, whether or not people are going to get jabbed, I guess, will be up to them. But the Premier, this morning, in a story in the Daily Telegraph, an exclusive story with James O'Doherty, is that those who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID-19 could be barred from venues such as pubs and clubs. The Premier said she wanted to incentivise the jab as a high vaccine uptake was crucial to getting New South Wales back to normality. The Premier indicated certain venues might require patrons to prove their vaccination before gaining entry. Quotes, clearly opportunities to travel overseas or opportunities to enter certain workplaces or venues might be enhanced if you have the vaccine, she said. Well... I'm just wondering what the restaurant and catering industry will have to say about that. And Wes Lambert is from the industry. Wes, good morning to you, mate. Good morning. So, uh, the story this morning, did this come out of left field for you? Have you read through it? Uh, it it isn't come out of left field. Uh, ultimately, you know, we did expect that... Uh the federal or the state governments would begin to be speaking about um, uh, restrictions tied to the vaccinations. Well, I have to say, it seems to have come from left field for a number of my listeners and people commenting on social media and also uh, in relation to this story today, not only on our socials, but the telly socials. A lot of people seem to be pretty annoyed about it, I have to say, Les. Look, ultimately, when it comes to a rollout of the vaccine, there's a few points that you do have to consider. One is the federal government has said that it's going to take months and months for the vaccine to be rolled out, starting in late January and going through uh, first the most vulnerable, uh, frontline workers and uh, people who work in aged care, yeah. and then through age groups, which will take until October, which means that no restrictions could actually ever be put in place until the federal government had actually rolled out the entire vaccine and offered it to every citizen in New South Wales and Australia. Mm. There, and a couple of other points are, if the, the state government or any government was to impose restrictions before that, they would have to be backed up with substantial stimulus packages because it's the government that controls the rollout timeline, not the businesses and not, not the wider uh, population. So if the government wanted to put restrictions, let's say, in now, 
they would have to pay for it. And finally, the um, ultimately, the federal government is most likely going to have to come out with whatever COVID passport that uh, Australians carry around Australia, uh, because you know, on a state-by-state basis, imagine if you wanted to fly from one state to another and your, your uh, vaccination uh, proof didn't record or didn't register in the state that you ended up in. Yeah. So ultimately, uh, and internationally, they'll also have to work on an international level so that we can return to international travel. Right. So there's certainly a lot of questions that would have to be answered, very serious questions before um, uh, anything uh, like a by-business requirement could be in effect. Yeah, you're right, uh, which makes me wonder why on earth the Premier's already commenting on this. I mean, we're, as you say, quite clearly we're months and months away from from any vaccine, uh, of course, in the country at this stage, and, and yet we've got the Premier turning around this morning saying that, well, I think, to be honest, I think it's putting a scare through the industry, and a, certainly for the punters, uh, if you read some of the comments this morning, I can tell you what, they'll make you blush. <laughs> um, and even the uh, you know the headline anti-vaxxers could cop pub venue bans. Now, a number of people that have been commenting on our pages this morning are basically turning around saying, "Get stuff, we won't go." You know, and that's that's got to be a concern, mate, to the restaurant and catering industry. It, it is a huge concern, and ultimately, many questions would have to be answered. Uh, we we are very supportive of the New South Wales government's response to COVID. We've been able to balance business with the health response and, and the government and the residents and, of New South Wales have done an amazing job uh, keeping the numbers very, very low in a uh, aggressive suppression strategy. Uh, and certainly lots of very serious questions would have to be answered before any particular business was restricted. Uh, as we ha- have been told many times, the, the vaccine rollout won't be fully completed until the end of 2021. Well, that's right. And any suggestion, I think, right now to incentivise, if you like, people getting a COVID-19 vaccination by basically threatening them that, you know, unless you have the jab, you won't be going to the local pub. Uh, I think that's far too premature to even be discussing at this point. Look, ultimately, we'll continue to support the New South Wales government in their handling of uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, and uh, we will support them in making the right decisions moving forward. All right, Wes, great to have you on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, mate. All right, Wes Lambert, uh, Restaurant and Catering Industry Association uh, CEO. Well, uh, I mean, he didn't really add much there apart from the fact that you know, they'll, they'll follow what the guidelines are first and foremost from the federal government and then any legislation that's put in place by the state government. I mean, I he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, is Wes, when it comes to this. And he's right. People in New South Wales have done a pretty good job. We've all done a wonderful job of trying to, you know, shield ourselves and our communities from COVID-19. But I have to say... This story this morning has got a few people annoyed, and rightly so. Even the the use of the word anti-vaxxers. I mean, people kind of, you know, it, makes, it, get, it gets their back up. Uh, some of the comments. Just because I am a little concerned about the COVID-19 vaccination, and we've had deaths in Norway, etc. This is an email that's come through from Mary. Uh, Mary says, just because I'm concerned about it doesn't make me an anti-vaxxer. And Tom, Tom says, Marcus, okay, if that's the case, I'll get a six-pack from the local BWS and I'll drink it home. 
I'm not having a, a COVID-19 jab if it means going to my local pub. Well, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have your say on this. Well, I think I called this, didn't I? I think I said, look, late last year, you watch early in 2021. We will hear from a number of media outlets that will try and stir up some thought, uh, some some rubbish when it comes to federal labour. And right on cue, what are we into, what, the second, third week? What week are we into of about the third week of 2021? And The Australian is reporting that, well, some uh, union members, union heavyweights, aren't happy that Anthony Albanese is the current federal Labor leader. A union commission poll showing the ALP faces the loss of two seats in its political heartland at the next election has prompted a senior CFMEU official to call on Labor to dump Anthony Albanese as party leader with speculation increasing that an election could be held in the second half of the year. CFMEU national political organiser Elizabeth Doidge, D-O-I-D-G-E, a close ally of the opposition leader's union nemesis John Setka, said Tanya Plibersek would be a better chance to lead Labor to a victory. Or maybe we can speak to Elizabeth Scruff. We'll put a call into the CFMEU. Miss Doidge's call came as the Australian revealed Labor was on track to lose the Hunter Valley electorates of Shortland and Patterson at the next election. Well, we'll talk to Joel Fitzgibbon about that this morning. Joel will be on the program in around about half an hour's time. And I'll also ask Joel whether he might be throwing his hat in the ring. I've asked Joel this before and I'll continue (laughs) pressuring him on it. I mean, Joel Fitzgibbon is extremely uh, canning, uh, cunning, that's probably the better word, cunning, and he's... He absolutely is strategic. I don't know. Labor's primary votes in the coal mining electorate of Shortland, held by Pat Conroy, has dropped 13 points since the election to 28% compared with the Liberals' primary vote of 45%. In nearby Patterson, held by right faction MP Merrill Swanson, Labor's primary vote has fallen by 11% since the 2019 election to 30%. I mean, this is compared to a primary vote of 43% for the Liberals and nearly 7% for both One Nation and the Greens. The Nationals polled at less than 2% in both seats. The margin of error is only 3%. So we've got the CFMEU, one of their top dogs, saying that they would love to see Tanya Plibersek in there. I think she would be a fantastic leader, they say. We definitely want a change of leadership. I'm not necessarily saying it needs to be Plibersek, but it definitely needs to be someone other than Anthony Albanese. According to Miss Doige, he can't unite the party. He can't unite the unions. He doesn't have the leadership the party needs to win a federal election. Miss Doige, whose Victorian division of the union is furious, Mr Albanese forced Mr Setka out of the party, said the poll of the Hunter Valley seats was commissioned by the national officers of key building unions. We are very confident there is going to be a federal election this year. This is the unions. And we want to make sure any money we might spend on it or backing certain parties is going to be well spent. 
It's clear from these results that Labor cannot win a federal election under Anthony Anthony Albanese's leadership. Well, there we go. I mean, the most experienced MP up there in the Hunter Valley is Joel Fitzgibbon. We know that Joel almost lost his seat at the last election with a 14% primary vote swing against him. Liberal strategists believe the party can win the Hunter, Patterson and Shortland at the next election as Scott Morrison intends to portray Labor as the party of inner city elites. See, this is a big part of the problem as well. And this is something the union will absolutely uh, be trying to... I guess, uh, well, certainly with the help, I guess, of of those within the party that are dead against Anthony Albanese, they'll be trying to eradicate this thought process of Labor being too close to the Greens and Labor simply losing touch with its heartland of blue of you know blue collar workers, and that's been a big part of the problem, and that's why Joel Fitzgibbon moved to the backbench. He thinks that Labor, of course, is out of touch with its primary base. Well, what do you make of it? 13 12 69, the telephone number. We will get Joel on the program. We've, we've got calls into the CFMEU and we've also got a call into opposition leader Anthony Albanese as well. We've got a couple of stories up on our socials this morning. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. That story on, uh, well, again, uh, I, 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 I predicted it, didn't I? Late last year I said, you watch, there'll be certain mainstream media outlets that will try and unsettle federal Labor early in 2021. They'll try and portray Labor as a rabble uh, that's really confused about its direction and it will uh, allow Scott Morrison a little later this year to go to the polls early and probably win because of it. Anyway, right on cue, that story about the CFMEU having a go at Albo is up. If you'd like to make a comment there, plenty of people are. And also the other story we're following this morning, which is the fact that the New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, has basically foreshadowed a little bit of a, uh, well, a tough regulation that perhaps the state government may enact later this year once vaccines are available if you don't get a jab you may not be able to go to your local pub i mean that's what i'm reading from this story front page of today's telly no jab no way pub plan for anti-vaxxers and again people are really annoyed and it's not my term anti-vaxxers i didn't write the story james o'doherty did but Basically, he's saying everybody who, who at the moment is concerned about any of the vaccines that will be available, even if you're concerned and you're saying because you believe it's not tested and that, you know, you'd rather wait another year or so, well, then you're an anti-vaxxer, apparently. I don't know. What do you make of it? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the telephone number. Joel Fitzgibbon will join us in around about 20 minutes' time. In relation to the story on Anthony Albanese and Labor leadership rumbles, that's on the way. And after 7.30, Nikki, socially speaking. Down yeah, Paul Simon. And you can call me Al Marcus Paul in the morning. 13 12 69 is my telephone number if you would like to have you say. We've got to go to the newsroom at 7.30 for the latest. Uh, by the way, the text line is up. 
Uh, if you want to send us a text this morning, 0458 049 209. And Nikki, not well today, so no socially speaking for this Monday. Back next week. USM's. the dial and give us a trial Marcus Paul in the morning Alright, welcome back to the program, uh, 25 minutes away from 8. Joel Fitzgibbon will join us in around about 5-10 uh, minutes time uh, We'll talk a little with Joel about this story that's emerged from the Oz today Predictably, uh, the CFMEU are going after Anthony Albanese They say they cannot win a federal election if Albo is leading the party if you want to have your say on that, 13, 12, 69. Look, I see people continually are giving police a hard time over wearing masks. They've had to charge a bloke who was found not wearing a mask on public transport on the Central Coast. Officers spotted the bloke on a train near Gosford on Saturday afternoon. They asked him if he had a mask and... Would he mind putting it on? The bloke? No, not going to uh, at all be involved in anything like that. He became aggressive, punched an officer and then bit him twice. This 43-year-old grub was arrested after a struggle and he'll now front Woi Woi local court next month. Look, the rail, tram and bus union, meanwhile, have launched a campaign to protect workers at serious risk from COVID-19. They're calling on the federal government to create the COVID vulnerable worker payment for elder, uh, elderly employees or those with pre-existing conditions who can't work from home. What do you make of this idea? So the Rail, Tram and Bus Union have launched a campaign to protect workers at serious risk from COVID-19. They're calling on the federal government to create the COVID vulnerable worker payment for elderly employees or those with pre-existing conditions who can't work from home. The RTBU National Secretary, Mark Diamond, says it would prevent those workers putting themselves at risk during a localised outbreak. Well, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. 13 12 69, the number... Over to the United States and a man's been arrested in Washington loaded with a handgun and more than 500 rounds of ammunition just days before Joe Biden's inauguration. Security, of course, as we know, has been tightened ahead of Wednesday's ceremony as local reports anticipate armed protests and riots. Former Assistant U.S. Professor Kim Wheel has told Sky it's a crucial time for the entire country. But boy, oh boy... 500 rounds of ammo and a handgun. Uh, This bloke arrested in D.C. just a couple of days before Wednesday's inauguration of Joe Biden. We can only keep our... uh, Well, we can only hope that there's no more unrest. It's a major concern ahead of Wednesday, the inauguration. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. Five, five people, by the way, have been charged over this alleged roll and theft of up to 250 tonnes of salmon. It's a lot of salmon. It's worth a lot of money as well. $4 million. Apparently, the salmon was nicked from a processing plant in Sydney, southwest. In December of last year, police were contacted by the executive of a salmon farming and processing company in relation to possible coordinated criminal conduct of employees. 
Detectives from Campbelltown were told the company had conducted an internal audit which revealed a significant reduction in the output of product through their processing plant at Ingleburn. It was determined that on average, around 600 kgs of salmon was nicked each day. How the hell were they getting it out of there? Couldn't, you know, you couldn't pack it. Well, I suppose you could. You'd have to, I don't know, disguise the smell somehow. Pack it in ice in the back of the car. Anyway, as part of inquiries, detectives attended the Ingleburn plant just after midday yesterday, spoke with a number of employees at the completion of their shift and located two females who had allegedly stolen salmon products from the plant. The women aged 30 and 31 were issued with future court attendance notices for larceny. They are both due to appear at Campbelltown Local Court next month. Following further investigations, detectives attended the plant at around 10 o'clock Wednesday, December 20. Oh, okay. so this goes back. All right, I see. It wasn't yesterday, so it was Sunday, December the 20th. And then again, they went back on Wednesday, the 23rd of December, just before Christmas, where they arrested two men aged 32 and 49 who were taken to Campbelltown Police Station. Now, the 32-year-old Minto man was charged with stealing property uh, to the value of up to 15 grand, the 49-year-old Cabramatta man was also charged uh, with stealing property to a value of more than 15,000 bucks. But all in all, more than 250 tonnes of salmon were allegedly stolen between June and December of last year, which would have had an estimated retail value of more than $4 million dollars. The company has terminated the employment of all five people involved in the alleged theft. As inquiries continue, who would have thought there'd be so much money in salmon? All right, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have your say. Look, it's predictable. I mentioned that I thought it would happen early this year. There'd be certain sections of the mainstream media that would try and unsettle federal labour. And that's what I think they're doing. And they've started it off this week, a little earlier than I predicted. A Union Commission poll showing the ALP faces the loss of two seats in its political heartland at the next election has prompted a senior, has prompted rather a senior CFMEU official to call on Labour to dump Anthony Albanese as its party leader. With speculation increasing that an election could be held in the second half of this year, CFMEU national political organiser Elizabeth Doige, a close ally of the opposition's leaders' union's nemesis John Setka, believes Tanya Plibersek would be a better chance to lead Labor to a victory. See, I think it's all part of a plan to unsettle Labor and to basically call Labor out as a rabble that's got no idea where it's heading. It's leaderless, which will allow Scott Morrison to call an early election later this year. That's my thoughts. Let's see what Joel Fitzgibbon thinks. G'day, Joel. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thanks, Marcus. All right. The Australian are at it. Uh, Leadership rumbles. What can you add to this? Well, the the polling is concerning, of course, Marcus, and it's uh, another warning call for the Labor Party. Uh, I've said many times in the, over the course of the last 18 months or more that unless the party recalibrates its policies, its narrative, its messaging to the community, puts Labor back in the Labor Party and gets back talking to its traditional base, then we will continue to struggle. And that poll says that we certainly are still struggling. 
So it's not a uh, an attempt to undermine Anthony Albanese from the CFMEU, in your opinion? Well, Marcus, I, I can't speak for the CFMEU, but the, the, the polling company used is one with credibility. The polling in the Hunter region, I believe, reflects what I'm hearing on the ground. So I've no doubt it's a poll to be taken notice of. Now, over the course of the last 18 months, uh, I've certainly demonstrated I heard the message that came in my electorate in the Hunter region. Uh, you know, we've got other very good members uh, here, but the party generally has to demonstrate to our traditional base that it collectively uh, has heard that message, and we haven't really demonstrated that we have. We've done a couple of good things. We've dumped that silly medium-term climate change, uh, climate policy target. We've yeah. dispensed with that uh, franking credits issue that caused us so much pain. It did. But we haven't demonstrated that we've learned the broader lesson and haven't been able to persuade our traditional base, whether they be coal miners, oil and gas workers, abattoir workers, those in the manufacturing sector, that uh, we're now thinking about them again and we have their back. And until we do that, we will continue to struggle. Well, you nearly lost your seat at the last election. There was a 14% primary vote swing, and uh, all Liberal strategists, it's reported today in The Australian, believe the party can win Hunter, Patterson and Shortland, so that includes your seat at the next election, as Scott Morrison intends to portray the Labor Party as the party of inner-city elites. Is Labor too close to the Greens, Joel? Certainly one of our problems, uh, Marcus, is a perception that we are too close to the Greens. Now, that's a, that's a perception fuelled by our political opponents, of course, but we do tend to be our own worst enemy. Uh, we too often uh, leave ourselves to expose to a charge that we are close to the Greens, uh, including in some of our voting intentions in the Australian uh, Senate. Uh, now, it is wrong. I mean, the, the Greens are our mortal enemy in, in many of our uh, held and, and unheld seats. Uh, we, we have no rela formal relationship uh, with them whatsoever. Right. And until we get that message out to working-class communities, we will continue to struggle. What can you do uh, to turn it around? I mean, they're calling on Tanya Plibersek uh, to... Well, this is the CFMEU are calling on Tanya Plibersek to maybe take over the, the reins of Labor leader. I prefer that you did, Joel. Well, look, Marcus, I'm far more concerned about the message than who is the messenger. And, you know, we were born to work, to represent working class people. Sure. Um, and we need to demonstrate that that's what we intend to do uh, into the future. The One of the more concerning things about that opinion poll this morning is that it says that we are losing support across all income groups, including low-income workers. So what's happening uh, in the electorate when low-income uh, earners are deserting the Labor Party? Certainly they are a group we were born uh, to represent. So where are they? Uh, they're not just in, you know, the coal... You know, we're not, we're not just talking here about uh, blue-collar workers. We're talking here also about those who work in the childcare centres, the aged care centres, etc., on low-paid who were on low-paid rates, who were traditionally uh, rusted on, if you like, supporters of the Labor Party. Mm. Uh, for some reason, they've walked away from us, and I think that's because uh, we've put too much emphasis on 
issues as like climate change, as important as that is, uh, and forgot to talk to the things that are really important to our base. And of course, including, Marcus, you know, the idea of aspiration. And people, more than anything, want to know they've got a government that keeps them safe, but they have a government that gives them an economic opportunity, the opportunity to have a, a decent living, and just as importantly, to give their kids the opportunity to uh, make the most of their lives, to take every opportunity in life. Equality of opportunity surely is the key ideal and objective for the Labor Party. We need to talk more about that and less about divisive issues and things that are concerned to some parts of the community but not to others. Yeah. I'm reminded of a time when I was living and working in Sydney's western suburbs and, you know, thousands of people would turn up to visit a Blacktown railway station by then leader Paul Keating. I mean, you'd kill for those sorts of days again. That must be Paul Keating's birthday today, so yes. happy, Paul. happy birthday, <laughs> PJK. Uh, look, yeah, yeah, they were the heady days for the Labor Party, and and what were Hawke and Ke- what did Hawke and Keating spend most of their time talking about, Marcus? Economic reform and opportunity for all, universal superannuation, for example, ensuring that super is not just for the rich and for the public servants, but for all working people. We have to shift back to that narrative and send the message to to people that. We have their backs. We understand they have economic aspirations and the Labor Party is all about backing those aspirations. Never ran once said, um, the best thing you can do for someone who is poor, of course, is to bring them out of poverty or something like that. I'm paraphrasing him. Yes, yeah. Um, and that's, that has to be our intention. Well, it's, And yeah. we, need to be, we need to stand for a strong economy and an equal share of that economy for all workers. Well, is Anthony Albanese the man to sell this message, Joel? I think Anthony Albanese can be the man to sell this. Uh, I think he's, he's well-liked. Uh, he has authority within the party, but he needs to get the narrative right. He needs to return us back to our traditional base, put Labor back into the Labor Party and demonstrate to people that first and foremost, our, the first thing on our mind is not climate change, as important as that it, mm-hmm. it is, and that can be part of the economic narrative if we do it right. But first and foremost, it's about backing people's health and safety and backing their economic aspirations. All right. Uh, and look, I know you quite well, Joel, so you'll forgive me. Uh, if there are more polls like this in the coming months, will you consider putting your hand up for leadership or will there be a spill, do you think? Surely you can't go. If if Scott Morrison calls an early election this year, surely you can't go to the polls with these sorts of uh, surveys in Labor heartlands showing that you're going to lose seats. Well, there could be an election this year, uh, Marcus, and that's why the Labor Party hasn't got uh, a minute to lose. As I said, we've done a few things in the last 18 or 9 months or more since we lost the, the last election. But we need to demonstrate that we've learned lessons from that. Again, it's not so much who leads, yeah. it's whether whoever leads can but demonstrate... according to the union, it is. But we've heard that message yeah. and we're changing our way. And yeah. I mean, we drifted away from our traditional base somehow yeah. and we need to demonstrate that we're back. All right. Well, according to the union, uh, who, you know, a lot of Australians think are tied pretty closely with Labor, according to the union, one of the largest, the CFMEU, well, they claim that Anthony Albanese is not the man uh, to sell this message that you're telling me this morning. I guess time will tell. Thank you, mate. We'll talk to you soon, Joel. Good on you, Marcus. All right, Joel Fitzgibbon, what do you make of it? Is it a mess or is it all ado about nothing? Give me a call, 13 12 69. Mick's on the open line. Hello, Mick. 
Good morning, mate. How are we? All right, thank you, Mick. What did you want to say? Both Labor leadership, both federally and at a state level, I have no doubt they're both hard workers and they're both good people, but they have all the charisma of a wet sock. Now, Conservative voters will vote for someone Conservative in a brown suit. Lord knows we had all the charisma of Malcolm Fraser and John Howard for many years and Tony Abbott. Okay, they don't mind that. Labor voters, there's two things Labor voters want. They want charismatic leaders, Whitlam, Hawke, Keating, Rudd, that people get behind. This is what Labor voters want. And also, they want them to get back to Labor values. That's when they win elections, okay? He had to distance himself from Shorten, who had a very dubious past in the unions where he got donations from yeah. Peter Mushrooms and event cleaning. Yep. And then would not tell us how much his green policies. He's too closely linked to the Greens. And every time they asked him about jobs for the workers, he said, oh, millions of green jobs to come. Wouldn't tell us what they were either. And now they're trying to kill the coal industry, the industry that created Labor. They've got to get back to Labor values and they've got to get a charismatic leader at both levels. I think Jodie, she's a great Labor person, she's a hard worker, but she can't capture their imaginations. And that's right. what you've got to do to beat someone like Gladys. All right, mate. Well said. Thank you, Mick. Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. All right, welcome back. Uh, now, a very special half hour on the way. Um, we're going to pay tribute to the late great Grant Goldman very soon. Uh, Grant's wife, Manel, will be in the studio with me. Uh, also, Diane Coveney Garlands, Ali, uh, Grant's daughter, here as well. And we'll play a little bit of a tribute to Grant. Of course, we are broadcasting from the Grant Goldman studio here at 2SM Sydney, where he did the breakfast show for, what, two decades. Wonderful. Uh, it's been a, le- a year, of course, since we've lost the great Grant Goldman. In the meantime, a couple of emails coming through. Mark says Labor has to change their leader, Marcus. There is no doubt about it. Also, as soon as Labor gets in, the bloody boats will start coming again, which will cost Australian taxpayers. Oh, that's... No. Come on, Mark. You're going to throw that old line out there, are you? Labor needs to change a lot of their policies before they have any chance of getting in, says Mark. People don't like the dropkick that's in now, but they feel he's the better of the two. All right, Mark. Thank you very much. Uh, Now, Eric. I think Eric makes a bit more sense. Why weren't we there, says Eric, organised by France in cooperation with the United Nations and the World Bank. The One Planet Summit for Biodiversity was held on January 11. And the aim, of course, was to advance the protection of nature. This event was attended by all countries of note, except for, you guessed it, Australia and the United States. Now it matters naught whether Morrison and his deniers do not want to protect nature or the environment. When the elite of world leaders turn up to a knees up, we should turn up even if we sulk in the corner. This will not help Matthias Cormann's bid for international glory. Morrison is naive and petty like Trump. No sense for leadership on the world stage. At the very least, he could have sent Kelly and the member for Manila. (laughs) Morrison can now answer his question, Australia, where the bloody hell are you? All right. (laughs) 
Uh, Daniel says, G'day, Marcus. Employees will also need to be vaccinated. This is more alarming. No jab, no jobs. All right. Um, Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. This one from John regarding the Dutch and Australian governments. Morning, Marcus. Over the weekend, I read where the Dutch PM and his cabinet resigned over false welfare debt demands made to 20,000 people. (laughs) Compare that to the federal Liberal government's robo-debt scandal. Here, 370,000 unlawfully affected and how many suicides? But more importantly, how many heads rolled because of it? Zilch, zero, none. Well, you're right, John, nobody really has, well, paid for that robo-debt debacle. Absolutely not. Uh, Now, regarding the vaccine, my vaccine, my Cooper says, Marcus, I definitely won't be having the vaccine for a couple of reasons. It's not fully tested. Reports I have heard is that the vaccine only have around, or these vaccines only have around 90% success rate if you don't die from them. If I were to go to a bank and ask to loan $100,000 and I told them that there was a 10% chance of them not getting their money back, do you think they would loan me the money? This vaccine is not Australian-made. I don't buy or use anything but Australian. Regards, Mike at Ingleburn. OK. 131269, if you would like to have your say on this or any of the other main stories of this morning. As I say, very soon we'll have Manel Goldman in the studio as we pay tribute to the late, great Grant Goldman, who we lost uh, around about a year ago. Of course, Grant's uh, did the breakfast show on 2SM for near on two decades, and we'll pay tribute to him a little later on the program. Uh, Christina in the capital, not too far away as well. After 8.30, we'll go to Canberra. Christina, we've been lucky enough to have her, have her in the studio the last... Well, certainly the last week that we were back, but she's back in Canberra now, so we'll go to her with some of the latest details on what's been making news. I wonder whether this story on Anthony Albanese will feature. No doubt it will pick up steam today. Uh, The story is, of course, that according to top weights at the CFMEU, they've conducted polling which shows quite clearly that in the Hunter region, a number of seats will fall... Those Labor-held seats will fall to the LNP, the way things are going. All right, so we'll talk about that and other issues. That's on the way. Christina in the capital right now, though, at 10 minutes after 8, if you can spice up your home, office or showroom with the hottest-looking, most comfortable new custom-made lounge, you need to do it at Chili Pip Lounge Designs. You can. You can spice up your home, your office or showroom with the hottest-looking, most comfortable new custom-made lounge from Chili Pip. You'll get a top-quality, individually-designed lounge by Chili Pip to your specific requirements. And it'll be ready as well within three to four weeks of your order. At Chili Pip, you can choose from over 500 fabrics and leathers, and every lounge made in their Sydney factory comes with a 10-year warranty. Now mention you heard it here, and Chili Pip will throw in free fabric protection with your order, valued at over 300 bucks. Family owned and operated for 20 years, Chili Pip specialise in lounges, sofa beds, armchairs, bedheads and ottomans made by Australians for Australians. So if you want a comfy new lounge made here in Sydney at a special direct from the factory wholesale price, check out the Chili Pip website. That's 
C-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-P.com.au. Chili Pip. It's a great name, isn't it? Chili Pip. All right, so if you want a comfy new lounge made here in Sydney at a special direct from the factory wholesale price, check out chilipip.com.au. You can call the friendly, helpful staff at Chili Pip Lounge Designs on 1300 797 516. That's 1300 797 516. Broadcasting live from the Grant Goldman Studio. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Somebody who knew Grant better than almost anybody is his son. Dad would be proud, man. Doing a great job. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. It's 16 minutes after 8, after 7 in Queensland. It is great to have your company on this Monday, January 18, 2021. It's been a year uh, since we lost the great Grant Goldman. Of course, we broadcast from his... Well, the studio named in his honour each and every day. And Justin, Marcus. a.k.a. Scruff, I think you'll need to hop around there with Manel. That one's not quite working. You can See that size Mark, up to Manel there. See, Grant is already causing problems. He's turned off a microphone here. <laughs> oh, we'll sort it out. I've got to work out which is which. It's, um, I've never had so many people in the studio. Before. We've had a couple, but not this many. So... Uh, good morning to everybody. Manel, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure and it's lovely to have you in here this morning. Um, it's been a pretty tough uh, year, I would imagine, um, adjusting to life. Has. It certainly has. After it's, uh, Grant. It'll never be the same. Mm. Just um, his jokes alone. I actually yeah. really miss his jokes. Yeah. You know, the good old dad jokes. I actually really miss them. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> but do. But we really miss him deeply yeah. and um, he'll be forever in our hearts. Very, very special man. Forever on air, as and we say. And forever on air. That's yeah. right. Di, good morning to you. Mm, Welcome back, morning. Di. Had you have thank a nice Thank you. Break? I did. I had a lovely break. Thank you. Just refreshed and ready to go for another year. Oh, wonderful. Now, you worked uh, uh, for, for so many years with Grant. How, how long was Grant doing the breakfast show on 2SM, guys? It's been nearly 20 years. Nearly I think. 20, 20 years, years. Okay. yeah. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. Nearly yeah. 20 years. Did he wait? Di, you worked with, uh, with Grant for a lot of those mm, years. Yes, yep. The whole couple of decades? Well, yeah, or? yeah, pretty much the whole way through. So if I wasn't reading the news, I was in the newsroom and, yeah, and yep. different things so and he as Manel said about the jokes like I have two particular stories so mm. I told I heard a joke as I was driving into work one day it was about look I can't even remember but it's why why do crows never get hit by cars and I right. said to Grant I've got a joke for you why do crows and he said why and he said because they go car car that was the joke <laughs> so it was like it was a 10 second long joke Grant made it into this uh, bigger than Ben her production number sure. and it went and I knew the end of the joke I knew the punchline but even I was sitting there waiting and waiting (laughs) on edge to hear the funny bit of the joke so he just was that person but he used to come down and he'd he'd try it with different people he'd pour look as if he was pouring water in his ear while I was reading the news (laughs) and then spurt do a little water spurt out of his mouth and the first time he did it I was really going I don't know what's happening here what is he doing what is he doing and he'd every now and then he'd do that or he'd do the walking downstairs thing so he'd just come out while you're actually reading the news and, and do that thing and um, fortunately, like I could hold it together and not start laughing, but that was his sense of humour and his Absolutely. being just the just mm. a fun, vibrant person. Yeah, yeah. You're lucky. You uh, you're lucky in a way that the news booth or the news readers booth wasn't directly fronting his studio. <laughs> yes, I saw many things that you didn't want to see. Yeah, five a.m. in the morning. Like what? Oh. He'd like to uh, get dressed. 
change his clothes sorry. at 5 a.m. in the morning. I saw many things that Manel probably hadn't seen. <laughs> so, well, I mean, Manel, he would get up, obviously, I know, but get up very, very early Super to early. come and do this show. Super yeah. early. Wasn't always very quiet. No, he wasn't. Uh, no, no. He got no, in trouble every day. He would he? Make yeah. his, he'd make his mark from the minute he got up and, yeah, off to work. There you go. You can hear Grant and I, then I'm awake. From uh, the time he leaves. Oh, okay. But, yes. Uh, no, it was good fun. And, and one of the one of yeah. the things. Sorry to interrupt you. One of the things that he taught me is when the alarm goes off, get out of bed. Yeah. Don't don't hit sleep fifteen times. And I may hit sleep fifteen times yes. and then roll over. And but yeah. no, he said you. And he once bought me an alarm clock because I did sleep in once. <laughs> the next day, he turned up with a U-Butte alarm clock with. It had everything, bells and whistles. Mm. Um, yeah, I touched where I never slept in after that. But that's that was his thing. Once you're awake, get out of bed. Don't lie there and think, yeah. oh, I'll get up later or whatever. Mm. And he was, um, I'm assuming, just up and ready to go Always. on that instant. Yep. And after noise, waking you up and everybody didn't else. Didn't bother him. As long as he got up, that no, was good, though. Yeah. He, was, he loved his job. He loved what he did. Um, but I do remember one thing that he would often say, and it was an ongoing joke, and he'd say, if ever I got married again, my bridal registry would be at a chemist. And what that was that? <laughs> he was always at the chemist. Oh, of course. <laughs> yep, yep, okay. Now, Getting course, old. <laughs> it was very important to Justin as well, wasn't he? Was, uh, wasn't he uh, didn't he conduct Justin's... Um, uh, he he performed as Elvis the at the yes. wedding. Yes, he was as amazing. Elvis. He was an amazing Elvis. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And I had no idea this was going on. I'm not sure about everyone else. It was but a surprise to yeah, me it was as a surpri- well. Yeah, so yeah. He, he's, he was at the reception and he was the MC, wasn't he? And then he sort of ducked out, came back in um, and, and sang as Elvis, sang beautifully. Mm, and yeah. I was just going, is there anything this guy can't do? <laughs> but he was just did fabulous. He, he had a good singing voice, Manel. He did. He had a yeah. beautiful singing voice. Well, of course, he had a, a voice that's well known to, to many millions of Australians as, uh, as the voice of City Rail. Uh, a lot of our new younger listeners um, yeah. probably uh, wouldn't have known that. But the, the voice behind City Rail, uh, when you were growing up, when you're in, uh, certainly when I was in my early years uh, and into my teen years, it was Grant, the yep. voice of Grant Goldman. He was also, of course, the voice of the Manly Seagulls Football That's Club right. at Brookvale yeah. Oval, Fortress Brookvale, for a number of years. Many, many years. Loved yeah. his, uh, his Sea Eagles, didn't he? He sure did. He was very proud, very yeah. proud of his Sea Eagles. You couldn't, you couldn't even talk to him or breathe near him when he was watching <laughs> yeah. the game. Was it so, a bit like okay. that? Oh, yeah. Was, oh, well, I can just step out now. You're busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, he was involved in, in that club for, for quite a, a number of many, years many as years. well. Many, yep. yep. What about you all over there, old Scruff? Well, my um, favourite me- memory was actually outside the radio station here. You brought up the wedding, but um, I hurt my back, um, broke my back for, Ooh. and uh, couldn't drive for three or four months, but Grant... The man he was, he decided to drive all from the northern beaches yep. all the way out to Hornsby and drive me into work. And that was the best time I had with Grant. Wow. That hour we had every morning in a car. Okay. That, that's how special. He didn't use all of his best content up in that hour. You should, well, you should, have, <laughs> you should have recorded it. I know. We should have had yeah. Justin and Grant <laughs> in the car. Yeah. You could have a podcast. Yes, absolutely. Justin, the funny thing with that was he actually thought you were just around the corner. <laughs> I wasn't. And he said, oh, I didn't realise. I said, 
Yeah, it's not quite around the corner. <laughs> uh, well, if no. you go by, by boat, if you go through the central coast, maybe, but not, not well, the way we he went. Go. Well, that's and was it always a five o'clock start? Was he always first? Yes, at always five? first at five. Always first. Boy, at five. boy, he would yes. have been up very early to very get them out, early. up to Hornsby. Yes, I know. It was. Hey? It was a very Don't great get experience. Any ideas. Can I say he he was always here before me, and really? I start at four o'clock, and some wow. days I get in here at. Yeah. Uh, just before four, quarter two, half past mm. three, whatever. Grant, I don't think there was ever a day when I beat him to work. Wow. Despite yep. the fact that he was driving halfway around the world to pick up Justin. Really need no. to put, pull my socks up, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> and well, there was a time where he was actually still going through chemo. Yes. Throughout, yeah. throughout yes. that as well. So it was yeah. very special to me and Massive my family yep, no, to get me to work. Very much. George Wonderful. Sitch is on the phone there. George? Yeah. All right. Uh, morning to you, George. How are you, buddy? G'day, Marcus. How are you, Prawny? All right, thank you, mate. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. And to you, my friend. We are sharing some of our uh, our thoughts and our um, memories of the great Grant Goldman. Now, I know that yes, you I've worked... Yes, I've been listening in, yes. You've worked with him on a number of occasions. You're a big part of, of his program with some of your jingles and your funny bits. Want to share a couple of uh, stories with us? I was very privileged. Well, you know, we... we uh, you know... I scratch his back, he scratches, he scratches mine. And uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the best things was when we did the, uh, the little drunk video clip. And uh, we basically, um, uh, I can remember uh, Manel wasn't there, but uh, we were at, uh, we were at uh, I think it was at Star City in the hotel there, mm-hmm. in the hotel room. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> he had to get into drag. And, uh, oh, goodness. And his sister, was it Margie? Yeah, uh, yeah. Margie put makeup on him just to sort of clinch the deal. And we put this Marilyn Monroe wig on him, and, uh, and yeah. we had to get into bed together. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh goodness me! Hey, we're just going to play a little bit of it. Justin's brought it up for me. Here, we'll uh, we'll let it start in a moment. Here we go. Uh, yeah, and our special guest today, the great George Sitch. <laughs> Trying to be Mr. Cool, throwing my money around. She was telling me I was everything she could ever need. So I pulled out my ex wife's wedding ring and I got down on my knee. Hand in hand in front of Elvis, <laughs> saying, Hey, yeah, I do. He said, son, are you sure I can see you've had a few? I said, sure, hey, what the hell, don't she look mighty fine? He said, son, by the power vested, mate, I declare you legally blind. <laughs> it's very good, George, very good. Mate, that, the, the blonde, the, 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 the blonde there is actually a golden guitar winner, Christy Lamb. Right. Uh, and uh, so there's a bit of a running joke, or there was a bit of a running joke between Christy and Grant and me that uh, Grant was Christy's uh, body double. Oh, I see. Fair enough. Uh, so um, you did that, and that's uh, look. I commend to anybody to uh, just get online, Google it for a little bit of a search. Uh, just go to YouTube. I got a little drunk by George Sitch, and uh, you'll be able to see uh, the video we're talking about, uh, which is wonderful stuff, mate. Um, you also uh, wrote a number of jingles uh, for the program and shared a number of stories with Grant over the years. 
Yeah, it was countless, countless jingles, and uh, we had this had this segment where people would uh, would request a song, and I'd have to write a write their name into into the, the reworking of the song, and uh, and 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 also you know hit the hit the the, the trifecta by including you know the you know two uh, SM Grant Goldman thirteen twelve sixty nine somewhere into the song as well. Ah, so, clever stuff. Uh, yeah, and that was just just uh, you know like all hours of the night that would sort of keep going. But but he he um, he inspired that kind of thing in people because like mm-hmm. everyone's been saying, he's just from from the moment he uh, I would imagine from the moment he steps out of bed he was on. And uh, well, Manel uh, was he from the moment he stepped got out of bed was he, he on? He was. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely was. What, what were there were there two um, you know two speeds? There was Grant, thousand uh, miles an hour, and sleep. Sleep. Yeah, that was <laughs> it. it. They were the two speeds. <laughs> well, uh, I mentioned earlier that a lot of listeners would know Grant from this. Here we go. I'm just trying to bring it up here. Is somebody going to get his voice? Hamilton. Next train to arrive on platform number one goes to Hamilton via Strathfield. First stop, Strathfield, then Eastwood, Epping, <clears throat> Hornsby, Asquith, Mount Cola, Mount Karingai, Barara, Cowan, Hawkesbury River, then all stations to Hamilton. Yeah, see, that's the voice of City Row. That's the voice that I remember, absolutely. You know what? Yeah. One of those yeah. suburbs yeah. is Mount Cola yeah. where you had to drive for yeah. three months. Grant had two levels. He was uh, loud and bloody loud. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. And what about uh, some other... Big voice work that he'd done, guys. He was involved in the Olympics. Yes, yes, of course. I remember. Yes. Yeah, he was. Uh, I was just a young fella. Well, fairly young fella, and I was lucky enough to get a little bit of announcing work at the hockey. Had no idea what I was doing, and I remember chatting to Grant about it, and he said, "Oh, just be yourself. Just follow the scripts they give you." But I had no idea about <laughs> hockey, anything like that. But he was wonderful back then. He really was. Um, we can go back to countdown. Yes, countdown. When first, he's first. The first. Colour television mm. transmission, he was there. He was the first host of Countdown, Correct. wasn't he? he was. In colour. Yes. Wow. In colour, in full Technicolor. <laughs> hey? All right, George, great to have you on this morning, mate. Thank you for ringing through and, uh, and sharing Thanks, a few memories with us. Thank you. Thank you. So, so lovely to speak with all of you again. And it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it was a privilege to know Grant and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an honour to, 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 uh, to share this morning with you guys. All right, mate. You look after yourself. Oh, congratulations on the new uh, grandbaby as well. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, 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 my God. Love all over again. Wow. <laughs> tell me, just quickly tell me. Billy, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, she's just uh, four months old uh, a couple of days ago yep. and just starting to, to, to lift her head and look up and 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 sing along. And I was playing guitar with her yesterday. I was playing Summertime to her and, and she... And she she watches. She really pays attention. This is oh, going to have music stuff. in her life, I think. All right, mate. Good to chat. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All the best, guys. All right. And just before we go to the news, we're going to come back and continue our chat about Grant Goldman and, and play a tribute for you. Uh, Manel, he doted as well, not only on his kids, but his grandkids, I'm sure. He did. He loved yeah. all his family. He loved his siblings very, very much and mm. all his children, yeah. all of them. All right, we'll continue our our tribute to the late, great Grant Goldman. Uh, we're broadcasting from the Grant Goldman studio here at 2SM Sydney. It's Marcus Paul in the morning news time now at 8.30. Broadcasting live from the Grant Goldman studio. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Somebody who knew Grant better than almost anybody is his son. 
Dad would be proud, man. Doing a great job. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back to the studio. We are, well, the Grand Goldman studio, I should have said, of course. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, we're paying tribute to the late, great Grant Goldman, who uh, was lost to, well, I want to say the industry, but more importantly, lost to his family around about a year ago. Mike Goldman. I've worked with his son, Mike. At, oh, gee, I think we've been at a number of radio stations together years and years ago. Today, FM, I remember Mike. He was the uh, constant uh, kid on work experience that didn't go away and then <laughs> went on to bigger and better things. And I reckon he's uh, the apple of his dad's eye. He certainly got the golden tonsils of the gra- <laughs> of the Goldmans. Uh, why did I get those tonsils? G'day, Mike. How are you, mate? Top of the morning to you. How you doing? It's, it just sounds like it does. I did put it on a little bit then, and I, and I never say top of the morning to you. That was a bad thing. <laughs> it was too. Well, yes. that's right. That makes him easily recognisable, mate. How are you? You've been well. Happy New Year to you, and I hope everything is well. Yes, Happy New Year, and uh, really nice of you and Manel to get on air and do a little dedication to the legend, the man who... He's looking down on us all right now and laughing his head off. <laughs> He's like, yup, yup, I got out of here. <laughs> I can't believe everyone has to go through this COVID crap. Well, what would Dad have made of the COVID uh, crap, as you put it, Mike? Oh, he just would have, yeah, obviously would have looked at the origins from the word go and he would have done his research and said, yep, well, pretty obvious that it came from a lab in Wuhan. He would have would have gone the, down the avenue of, of people actually doing research, which is what him and Justin did every single morning to bring people facts and news and obviously all the the real news is coming out now like a year since it since it actually did come from Wuhan. Yep. So what are your greatest recollections? I mean I know it's it's a difficult question to ask somebody of course mate and I understand it's difficult but some of the greatest memories you have of your dad you might want to share with his uh, listeners today. Yeah, sure, man. Well, I mean, obviously, there's, there's so many. I mean, growing up as a kid and, you know, being in surf life saving and him dragging me to the beach every day to, <laughs> to, to compete and save lives. And, and then, obviously, all the other kids in the family and getting getting me uh, shown the ropes of the entertainment industry and following in Dad's footsteps in one way, shape or form. But mm. no, number one thing I reckon I remember about Grant Goldman is is how much love and passion he showed for his family and his friends and being positive in life. And if there's anything that anyone can get from him, I think that's it. No, mate, well said, absolutely. Look, I know that your dad was extremely proud of you and, and your work and your work ethic and uh, you followed in his footsteps. You're, a, you're a, a, a media personality in your own right. What are you up to these days, mate? Did you say media tarp? Or media <laughs> well, uh, look, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to. No, you're, you're doing very well. What are you? Are you still up north? Where are you these days? I can't keep up with you, Mike. Yes, I, I am in sunny Queensland, but uh, back for Big Brother. We've got the Big Bro Show, which will be uh, mm-hmm. at sevennews.com.au. It's 20 years since I started on Big Brother, and it's wow. still going. We've been, we've uh, been with or been fired from Channel 10 and, and Channel 9, and now we're at Channel 7. What's next, SBS? It'll just be nude the whole time. You know you know what I think for your, your final television gig, you know, in, in decades to come? I want you to bring back Countdown. Dad was the first host of Countdown. I want you to be the last, okay? <laughs> Does that mean that I'm going to put it to death? 
<laughs> uh, but Countdown was a great show for Dad to be involved with, and, and I've worked with so many people over the years that worked on the show, and they're mm. like, yeah, your dad was the first host. Even Molly told me that, and I remember when I was uh, I was about 19 or 20, I was working on a show called Pop Stars that Molly was a judge on, yeah. I think it was before Idol around then, mm. and he, um, he said, yep, your dad was the first host, and then they couldn't afford it. To, to pay him, so they made Molly the producer host it. <laughs> oh, dear idea. Oh, thank you know goodness what? times have changed. Story, there's a story Molly Meldrum um, t- sort of he touched on, and then and then Dad confirmed it years later. Actually, he talked about it in, in my podcast on the mic, and, and I, I put that up on his Facebook page, Grant Goldman Forever, where a lot of people are hashtagging GG Forever and sharing their memories. Nice. He said the night that he hosted Countdown, uh, it went to about midnight, the shoot, and then they the next morning, uh, like about one o'clock in the morning, he went out on the town with Molly. But the next morning, he was supposed to be on radio at five a.m. So he went out all night with Molly Meldrum. <laughs> For some reason, he spilled drinks all over his shirt, so he just worked with no shirt on <laughs> doing the show. After a big night with Molly. Great story. All right, mate. Um, great to have you on the program. Uh, thank you for sharing some memories with us this morning. I know, as I mentioned, mate, your dad will be proud of you and we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon, no doubt. Good on you, mate. Lots of love. See you soon. All right, there is Mike Goldman. We're paying tribute this morning to the late, great Grant Goldman. Uh, and speaking of tributes, I think it's time we, uh, we heard from the man himself. Uh, Di, you've got a... Jump into the newsroom. You've been mm-hmm. reading this morning, as you've done for for Grant over you know countless decades, and also for the John Law's Morning Show. But I think um, what we'll do is we'll play this tribute to Grant. And we'll come back, and Manel will finish with a, a beautiful song that you've chosen uh, in in memory of uh, the late Grant Goldman. Marcus Paul in the morning from the Grant Goldman studio. This time last year, we lost a legend. Broadcaster Grant Goldman, who for many years was the voice of Sydney Trains, the Sydney Olympics and Brookvale Oval's ground announcer, has lost a long battle with cancer. Perth to Brisbane, Sydney to Melbourne, countdown right across the country. Grant was the first host of Countdown in 1974 and worked on almost every radio station in Sydney across five decades. For the last 20 years, he hosted The Breakfast Show on 2SM. Grant Goldman was 69. A voice that we will never forget. Grant Goldman, forever on air. This time last year, we lost a legend. Broadcaster Grant Goldman, who for many years was the voice of Sydney Trains, the Sydney Olympics and... Brookvale Oval's ground announcer has lost a long battle with cancer. Perth to Brisbane, Sydney to Melbourne, countdown right across the country. Grant was the first host of Countdown in 1974 and worked on almost every radio station in Sydney across five decades. For the last 20 years, he hosted The Breakfast Show on 2SM. Grant Goldman was 69. A voice that we will never forget. Grant Goldman, forever on air. On 2SM and the Super Network, always first at 5am. Breakfast with Grant Goldman. This is the Super Radio Network, and uh, thank you very much to Barry Hill. What? What's going on here? Um, sorry, who are you? Hello, hello, Mr. Goldman. Uh, I do the cleaning for you. Yes, but I'm on the radio. 
What do you mean on the radio? I listen to the radio too while I work. Oh, jeez. Um, Justin, yes. can you get him to turn that bloody thing off? It wouldn't happen on the John Law's morning show, would it? We can make fun of anything. Jeez, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, men hate the sound of vacuum cleaners. Yes, we do. You know when a, when a, a wife, and it's very sexist, I suppose, when a wife starts out the vacuum cleaner, generally the man goes out the backyard somewhere. And it's usually yeah. during the sport. Like yeah. you're watching the footy oh. and she does the vacuum so, cleaner. So what oh. you're saying is women do it on purpose. Yes, I think so. I think so too. <laughs> I really do. Hello, this is Grant Goldman. Our very own Grant Goldman began his radio career at the tender age of just 14. Can you believe it? 14 at 2TM 50 years ago today. Grant has worked for every station in Australia. Well, almost. He's worked for 2TM Tamworth, 2WG Wagga Wagga, 4NA Nambour, 4BC Brisbane, 6PR Perth, 4IP Brisbane, KJR Seattle, Washington, 5AD Adelaide, 2UE Sydney, 2WS 2GB, 3UZ Today FM and 2SM Sydney and the Super Network. Here's a fantastic furniture package deal that proves Walton's won't be beaten. Pay just $599 and get this five-piece Namco dinette plus this matching Three-piece lounge suite. Eight exciting pieces for a crazy $599. Compare of the first colour transmission in Australia. Countdown ABC Australia. Compare Stairway to the Stars, a live musical show on Channel 7. Compare of Jukebox Jury, Channel 7 Brisbane. Compare of It's a Small World, Channel 10 Brisbane. Compare of The Lottery Draw, Channel 9 Sydney. Welcome to your Wednesday night lotto draw. Station voiceover, Channel 7 Brisbane, Channel 9, Perth and Adelaide. Tonight at 8.30, the Flying Doctors are followed by one disaster after another and their lives hang in the balance as their story unfolds. The Flying Doctors, tonight, 8.30. And now our late movie, The Counterfeit Traitor, is next. Sky Channel, from 1988 to present. Automated announcer for City Rail and State Rail for approximately 12 years. The train on platform number one goes to... All aboard, please. Owing to a defective station master, trains have been slightly disrupted. Please watch the indicator board and listen to the announcements for the destination of each train. An announcer at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. And the winner is Sydney. Welcome to Stadium Australia and day one of the athletics competition at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. Oh, and we can't forget ground announcer for his beloved Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. This is the manly day that we will all remember. And that's something special. We got one question though. How the hell did you do that in 50 years? It was 50 years ago today. We first heard him on the airwaves. Now it's his golden anniversary. Only after half a century. Wake you up when it's time to go. On Super Network Radio. You're listening to the great Grant Goldman Show. Tuned into the Great Grant Goldman Show. Weekday mornings, 5 till 9. Tuned into the one and only Great Grant Goldman Show. 4, 13, 12, 69.
Breakfast with Grant Goldman. Fred is there. Do you, Fred? How you going? Hey, Fred. Tell me yeah. the tell me the name of the lead singer. Ah, uh, you got me. No, I'll I'll help you out. Yeah, go on. Freddie is his first name, and he's dead. Okay, I'll give you a clue for the second one. The second name. It has something to do with the weather. It's gone way down. So his name is Freddie. He's practically given it to you. You got it? No, I haven't. Well, when it gets hot, it rises. When it gets cold, it goes down. Hmm? Freddie temperature. Freddie temperature. That's it? No, it's not. <laughs> I love my life. It's good. As long as you get a laugh in life, that's all you need. <laughs> Wake up to the gold man. Greatest show in the land. He's the only one for me, Goldie. <laughs> He'll give you all the latest news and even let you share your views. It's the music that you love to hear, Goldie. Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws. Call 13 12 69. Welcome to this Monday, January 18, 2021. Marcus Paul in the morning, filling in for Lawsy. Uh, John will be back for 2021 in his 70th year of broadcasting, just after the Australia Day weekend. Well, Australia Day. In fact, the date has been confirmed, they tell me. Lawsy back on Monday, February the 1st, 2021. There you go, Monday, Feb 1. Easy to remember. <laughs> Keep it in your diaries. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you'd like to send us a text message, you can do that. 0458 049 209. And emails, well, we welcome those as well. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com for your emails. Once again, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Let's get into a Monday morning.
Okay, so here we are, Gee, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope you're relaxed. If you worked, I hope it went well. And it was nice to see a bit of sunshine around. Unfortunately, we've had more loss of life with people around at water holes and whatnot. So please, please, uh, kids and those who remain on holidays at least for another week or so, please take it nice and easy around water. We don't want to be reporting on any more people losing their lives simply because they want to try and keep cool. Well, one of the big stories this morning from New South Wales is that the Premier Gladys Berejiklian has issued a warning to residents that they might be excluded from some venues unless they can prove they've been vaccinated against this wretched virus. That will be sure to rustle the feathers of many who are anti-vaccination. We've got plenty of people like that in the community. And also, to be perfectly honest, there are a lot of people out there who aren't necessarily quote-unquote anti-vaxxers, they're just not real keen on getting this vaccination until it's been proven to be successful. Oh, I can understand that, but I can also only imagine it will become one hell of a fight for the government to get such a policy over the line. We'll see what happens. Now, I would love to get your thoughts on this today. What do you make of it? I think the Premier of New South Wales has gone way too early on this. This morning on my breakfast program, we, we spoke to some business leaders from the retail and hospitality sector. Look, they need to be very careful what they say. They don't want to upset the government. They agree that the state government in New South Wales in particular has done a, a good job of controlling COVID-19. But, I mean, there's not a lot of criticism. But, I mean, this thing is still months and months away. And, of course, the vaccination is being dealt with at a federal level. And any laws or rules that come from that surely will come from the federal government. And then there'll be advice from states' health ministers to the Premier. That's why I believe that this front page on the Daily Telegraph today in Sydney is a little alarmist, a little early, and, to be perfectly honest, a little stupid. I think what they're simply trying to do is stir up people and sell their newspapers. I mean, that's what they do, I guess. But pub ban plan for anti-vaxxers, no jab, no way. Those who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID-19 could be barred from venues such as pubs and clubs, according to Premier Gladys Berejiklian. Right, well, again, anti-vaccine is months and months away, and I think Premier from... The notes that I've received this morning and I've had a look around social media sites, I don't think you've won too many fans with this. There are a lot of people who are very upset by these comments. Are you one of those or do you agree with the Premier? Give us a call. That number 13 12 69 if you'd like to have your say. Look, there is news today that some kids as young as nine are being forced to isolate alone upon arrival into New South Wales from overseas. Previously, unaccompanied minors were allowed to quarantine at home under the supervision of a parent or a guardian, but the new highly contagious strain of the virus has forced the government to change the rules. Parents are allowed to stay in quarantine facilities with their children, but that's not feasible, of course, for all parents. 
I think it would be a terrible experience for a child to be alone in a foreign environment for two weeks without their loved ones. Give me a call. Let me know what you think about this. In Queensland's and the Weather Bureau has warned tropical cyclone Kimmy might slam the far north of the state between Innisfail and Lucinda late today or early tomorrow. I think they were a little concerned around Port Douglas. The Bureau says there's still considerable uncertainty surrounding which parts of the state will be affected, but it is expected to bring with it destructive winds and heavy rainfall. Residents are being urged to get essential supplies and to bunker down as parts of the state will likely experience flash flooding and riverine flooding, which could inundate some roads. New figures compiled by the Centre for Public Integrity show the resources industry is overtaking property developers as the biggest political donors. No surprise here. Mining and gas companies have donated nearly $137 million to political parties over the previous two decades. The funding blitz has been led by Clive Palmer, with two of his companies alone spending $116 million on his United Australia Party. So they say money talks, and this is why so many Australians see some people in government as, well, taking the cash and perhaps being a little corrupt. Sadly, three people have died and another person has been injured following a head-on car crash on the New South Wales Hunter. The driver and sole occupant of a ute, a man in his 30s, died at the scene, and a male driver and female passenger of a smaller vehicle also died. Another passenger in the smaller car was airlifted to John Hunter Hospital with life-threatening injuries. Stout Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny has been detained by police moments after landing on a plane from Germany to Moscow. Navalny had been poisoned with the nerve agents uh, Novichok while in Germany and had been recovering. He believes Russia was behind his poisoning, but President Vladimir Putin strongly denies these allegations. Why on earth would the bloke go back? I have no idea why he'd return. It's been quite clear authorities weren't impressed with the allegations that he levelled against them. So why would he return? Well, perhaps he's got family there. Not quite sure. In the United States, the country is preparing for what could potentially be an extremely violent week. God, let's hope not. The inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden happens on Wednesday... And more than 12 states have activated National Guard troops to help secure their Capitol buildings following FBI warnings of armed protests. And what about the Australian Open? What a mess. What a mess. 72 players are now in hard lockdown after a fifth coronavirus case was diagnosed from a flight from Doha, which was carrying players and officials. Every passenger on that flight will now have to complete a 14-day quarantine period. What does that mean for their training? Well, last time I checked, you can't knock a tennis ball over a net inside a hotel room. So the whinging will commence. The whole thing should have been canned. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm all for sport and I love sport. I love tennis. I love cricket and all the rest of it. But boy, oh boy. Talk about importing a danger to the people of Australia. The whole thing should have been canned. It was too much of a risk. With so many people coming from overseas, it was always going to be a case that we would import the virus, and we've just done that. 
And now we've got tennis players who are complaining, are whinging that they can't get out and train because they're in a hard lockdown. But to their credit, so far, Tennis Australia are standing firm on this, and so they should. In the crickets, and Australia is currently leading India by 54 runs. They'll head back to the pitch in a few hours' time. It'll go down to the wire this game, which is wonderful for the sport. And in yet another uh, NRL uh, scandal, I guess, we've got another player that's found himself in hot water, Payne Haas. He's only 21. He was arrested on the Gold Coast on Saturday night after allegedly intimidating police during a drunken argument. I mean, some of these players really need to clean up their act. and The season hasn't even started yet. Alrighty, there's a few things that are going on. What's on my mind? Let me know what's on yours. We'd love to hear from you. A number of ways to make contact with the John Laws Morning Program. 13 12 69 on the open line. You can send us a text 0458-049-209. And of course an email MP in the morning at 2SM Supernetwork.com. It's Marcus Paul in the morning for John Laws. 2SM Sydney Traffic. North Front Lane Cave Road approaching Epping Road, a car broken down just about cleared. Granville Parramatta Road, Good Street, three car accident cleared. Bankstown, South Chapel Road, Greenfield Parade, traffic lights flashing yellow. This is impacting all directions through that area there. Like traffic, weather can be unpredictable. Know you're covered this storm season. You know with GIO before buying insurance issued by GIO. Read the PDS at GIO.com.au. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 1269. Hi, Matt Welsh here. In Australia, drowning is one of the biggest killers of kids under five. So take a few minutes to check your pool barrier set for this summer. Visit kidsafe.com.au to find out how. Because safe barriers save lives. No business wants to throw money away. But did you know sending resources to landfill can be more expensive than recycling them? Planet Ark's free business recycling service can kickstart your workplace recycling journey, help you find the right recycling solutions and give you a competitive edge. Join the 1 million Australians using business recycling to keep valuable resources in circulation. Visit businessrecycling.com.au. It's just good business. Will you please support prostate cancer specialist nurses on the COVID-19 frontline? Become a Blue Hero today. Go to blueheroes.com.au to find out more. Just a few dollars from you can help men survive prostate cancer and COVID-19. Ozclean products, half price, now at Woolworths. Shower power trigger and 750ml flip top removes stubborn soap scum. Oven power, don't scrub it, bag it. Carpet power, goodbye stains and odours, great for pet accidents. Ozclean cleaning products actually work. They're eco-friendly and proudly 100% Australian. Ozclean, half price, now at Woolworths. Welcome to Chili Pip Lounge Designs, where we custom make your lounge to suit your exact needs and style. Our factory and showroom are based in Sydney, made by Australians for Australians. Chili Pip specialises in lounges, sofa beds and ottomans. Choose your favourite fabric or leather. Feel safe with a 10-year warranty and over 20 years experience. Call Chili Pip Lounge Designs today and speak to one of our friendly staff on 1300 797 516. Chilipip.com.au 
Finance Easy can help you through these uncertain financial times. Whether you need to get on top of bills, business loans, car loans, equipment finance, Finance Easy can take the stress out of finding finance with Australia's best rates. We are here to support the community. Chat to us online or over the phone and let us take care of everything. Visit financeeasy.com.au or call 1300-003-003. Finance Easy. That's E-Z-I. We make getting what you want easy. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. Broadcasting live from the Grant Goldman studio, you're listening to Marcus Paul. All right, uh, I mentioned this story a, a few moments ago, but in relation to the Australian Open tennis, Novak Djokovic has apparently issued a letter to Tennis Australia urging that the tournament director, Craig Tilly, support players with a, a ridiculous... Um, what do they call those things, you know, when celebrities provide details? What You know, anyway, no matter, I can't remember. I'll think of it in a moment. But anyway, he wants fitness and training material in all rooms, better food for elite athletes following players taking aim at the medals on offer, the meals on offer, apparently. Reduce the days of isolation for players in hard isolation and carry out more tests to confirm they are negative. Permission to visit your coach or physical trainer as long as both have passed the tests. Grant both the player and his coach permission to be on the same floor of the hotel. Move as many players as possible to private houses with a tennis court to facilitate training. Oh boy, oh boy, really? This is what he wants. This is a list of demands from world number one Novak Djokovic to Tennis Australia because, as you know now, there are a stack of players who will go, will have gone into a hard lockdown. They're not allowed outdoors, 47 of them, in fact. So they cannot now leave their hotel rooms for 14 days, just as many Australians who returned here to Australia couldn't leave their homes for 14 days or their hotel rooms for 14 days. It'll be really, really interesting to see what Tennis Australia do here. They'll need to stand firm. I think they'll be, they'll be outraged if they give in to these demands. I mean, it's, it's almost diva-like, do you think? Fitness and training material in all rooms, better food for elite athletes following players taking aim at the meals on offer, reduce the days of isolation for players in hard isolation and carry out more tests, Permission to visit your coach or physical trainer as long as both have passed the tests. Grant both the player and his coach permission to be on the same floor of the hotel and move as many players as possible to private houses with a tennis court to facilitate training. <laughs> He's kidding, isn't he? This sounds a little entitled to me. Barry's on the open line. Morning, Barry. G'day. Good morning, Marcus. This is the first time I've taken this news slot uh, to make a comment. We are fortunate that every day we seem to be able to get issues that we can talk about. And I had two today. One of them is the changing of the word in the national anthem that Scott Morrison made a captain's call on. Yeah. I'm just wondering, this, this is an annual discussion that comes around every year. Uh, that keeps the divide between the nation 
um, that some people don't like the national anthem because of because of well, we know why. Let's or not, whatever. Yeah, let's not I'm get into that. I'm just wondering whether the the one word change has made any difference to a people's opinions on the song. I I extremely doubt it. It has. I don't think they're ever going to be happy with whatever we put forward. Um, they just like being minority people. For We Are One and Free uh, has replaced For We Are Young and Free. I thought we were still pretty young. Mm. Anyway. I know, I know, you know. And to me, it's made no difference to me or my outlook at all. I'm not a racist person. I live with people. They live next yeah, yeah, door to but, me and I'm... Okay. I'm, but if it's made people. all right, but if it's made no difference to you, um, with respect, why are you talking about it? Well, I'm just wondering whether other people have been think that the right thing's been done and it has made a significant difference. Mm. Well, um, I don't think it will. One word change in a, an anthem's not going to, you know, fix. No, I I personally agree with you, Marcus. I don't think it's going to make any difference at all. I would just like to add another one just quickly. This um, selling the coronavirus um, um, immunisation to people, it's going to be a hard sell if the reporting is correct this morning that overseas they gave it to vulnerable people, the same vaccination that we're going to get and 30-odd people died as a consequence of that. Well, that's in Norway, and yeah. I just want to be a little bit careful. I know, and that's 30, why I said, you know, it's yeah. been reported whether there's any accuracy in it or not. I don't know. But if that is the case, mm. well, somebody comes at me with a needle, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say, hang on, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, it's not an endorsement. Uh, I've got the detail on that, and I'll get to it in a moment, but they say that around 24 people have passed away after they were given um, one of these vaccines. Now, look, you've got to be a little bit careful because some people were suggesting these people were vulnerable and ill in any case already. Um, would they have died with or without the vaccine? Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure. Um, but, yes, it will make people question, and rightly so. People will be a little concerned. And this is one of the vaccines that's on its way here to Australia. 2SM Sydney traffic. Silverwater Road, Silverwater Bridge, a two-car accident southbound. Kasula, the M5, Hume Highway, truck and car accident eastbound. Walt Park, eastern distributor, just past Cleveland Street. Overpass the car broken down southbound. Left-hand lane closed there. As a result, get caught using a mobile phone illegally this holiday period and you face double the points with double demerits in force from January 22 to 26. You can stop it or cop it. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 1269. My family's been farming this land for generations and hopefully will for many more to come. Things aren't as easy to do on the farm as they once were and we hear of too many injuries, especially to older farmers. If you've been in the game as long as me, there are things you can do to make work easier and safer. The Great Idea Bank is a guide produced by older farmers for older farmers with practical tips that can help whether you think you're old or not. For copies, visit farmsafe.org.au. Helping you to manage the pain and inflammation associated with osteo and other mild forms of arthritis is Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel. Always read the label, use only as directed, and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional.
Look for Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest stockist, go to loveoilcollection.com.au or phone Ray 040-6671-359. G'day, Merv Hughes here for Scott Pack Business Finance. After a long tour, I love coming back to my family home. It's my safe place, separate from work, and that's why I reckon businesses should talk to Scott Pack Business Finance. Scott Pack provides your business funding without needing to use the equity in your home. The secret is using business assets you may not even know you have, like outstanding customer invoices, vehicles and equipment. Keep your home out of the picture. Search for Scott Pack Business Finance. Scott Pack, finance that keeps your business moving. Peters of Kensington is the ultimate shopping experience, and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping online or in store. Whichever you choose, an abundance of fine quality products awaits. Kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas are just part of the huge range. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, the especially themed hampers are a great alternative to something more traditional. Peters of Kensington 57 Anzac Parade or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au Why in the world would you shop anywhere else? Your local bowls club is seeking competitive teams. You'll need your natural, whose sporting prowess is unmatched. Your technician to roll you in and out of the tightest spots. Your thinker to lead your game plan. Your enforcer to strike when needed. And Steve, uh, he can get the drinks. Local legends wanted. Search Bowls Club near me to join a team. Or stop. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. All right, welcome back. Uh, just in relation to that last call, uh, it was 30 people in Norway who've passed away. So health experts say Australians should not be alarmed by reports that up to 30 elderly people in Norway died after receiving the Pfizer vaccination. The Norwegian Medicines Agency could not rule out the possibility that vaccine side effects, including fever and nausea, contributed to the deaths, but said many elderly people with underlying diseases are being vaccinated. So, quote, it's expected that deaths close to the time of vaccination may occur. So there we go. Uh, Our health minister, Greg Hunt, meanwhile, says we are proceeding with an abundance of caution in approving the vaccine, but there are no plans to change the rollout, which, as we know, is scheduled to begin next month. All right, Mark's on the open line. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Mark. Yes. Yes, Mark, what can I do for you? Um... I was feeling um, just like I just how low and thanks for your show. Thank you. Um, keep up the good work, won't you? All right. Well, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> Daryl, hello, are you there? Yes, Marcus. Hi, Daryl. Hi, mate. Um, One thing before I start, when you're on hold, Mm. normally you can hear your calls. You know what I mean? The people you're talking to. Right. But you you can't. It's happened a few times now. I don't know if there's something going on with your phones. But anyway. I'll I'll let the um, boss know. Thank you, mate. Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah, this tennis thing. Yeah, you're, you're right, mate. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. 
and uh, they've got to remember 90% of these tennis players are prima donnas. So they, they, not only have they let the virus into the country, they've got to deal with these people now, which won't be that easy, I think. No, well, look, you're right about uh, you know being a little prima donnaish. I mean, I don't, um, I don't pretend to know how difficult it might be to be a uh, professional tennis player, but I mean, Novak Djokovic's come out with a whole range of demands, which in my mind are just insane. They're uh, over the top, aren't they? Well, yeah. there are 72 players in lockdown. Okay, I understand that may disrupt your. Uh, uh, your training or your preparation for a tennis game, but what about other people here in Australia who have unfortunately missed appointments uh, because of lockdowns uh, and border yeah, closures? I mean, we've been through far worse, trust me, than what these tennis players are going to go through. That's, that's the point, mate. And, yeah, you know, do you think they're playing with fire? Oh, look, I don't know whether Craig you Tilly know, let will the, let them in because. They've come from, like, COVID-rid countries, haven't they? All of them. And mm. they're talking about the new strains. And then there we go, letting them in. And and people have they've had incidents with people getting out of the... Or the virus getting out of these quarantine hotels anyway. Yep. I just don't get it. I just don't get it, mate. No, well, that's it. right. Absolutely. Look, at the end of the day, I, uh, I've been dead set against us uh, holding the Australian Open. And I've said it now for a number of weeks. Only because... I was worried about importing new strains or cases of COVID-19. How do you think the bloody thing... We, we had none here in Australia. That's How do you right. think it got into the country in the first place? That's right, mate. They, they, they contradict themselves all the time. And they maybe, they, like, the Victorian government, Andrews, and I, I think he did a, a great job in the end where he fronted up every day the media... But then they let this. Why would they risk it? I just, I just, I just don't get it at all. Money. I get it. Perhaps money, yeah, I know, prestige. Know money, Who yeah, knows? Yeah. All right, mate. Yeah, they shouldn't have arrived. We should have just held it off. But I mean, how many things were cancelled this year? Plenty of things. Other events, other major events were uh, postponed or cancelled. Why do we need to hold uh, the Australian tennis open? I don't know. I mean, it's a little different, I guess, with the, the cricket because we're just dealing with one team, let's say 25 or 30 players from that team, and they were able to go into quarantine before, and they did, the Indians. What do you say? 13, 12, 69, the number. Hello, Debbie, how are you? Yes, good morning, Marcus. Morning, Deb. Um, yeah, I agree with you. They should have foreseen this happening mm. and um, they should have cancelled the whole thing. Well, it's a big risk. And now well, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't make any sense. Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, there's all sorts of accusations going on now. Furious international tennis stars could pull out of the Australian Open. Well, off you go then. They're upset because they've been placed into quarantine. Some yesterday blasted tournament organisers for confining 47 players to their hotel rooms amid a number of positive COVID tests. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, they've, they've stopped families from coming home mm. to um, their own country and they've um, imported this lot. I mean, you can't tell me they did not foresee this sort of thing happening. Well, I'm no expert and I foresaw it happening. Yeah. 
Exactly. You know, it's pretty obvious if you're bringing in people from all over Europe, the United States, North and South America and elsewhere around the globe, well, there's a very, very high risk that you'll be importing new strains of COVID-19 and voila. Well, I think it, I think it just demonstrates there's one rule for um, them and another rule for us mere mortals. Well, a lot of people will probably agree with that. Thank you for the call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have your say on this. Bob, good morning to you, Bob. Yes, mate. Hello, Bob. Marcus, how are you? Well, thank you, mate. Welcome to Monday, Bob. Yeah, mate, it's good to be alive, at Isn't least. It? Yeah, well, that's very true, matey. And what's on your mind this morning? Mate, I've only got one thing to say. This tennis is boiling down... Uh, on to, to a point of criminality by the tennis officials yeah, and the government that allows it to happen. Well, look, it's hard to argue because look what's happening. Uh, we've, uh, we've got new cases uh, and now we've got a, a whole bunch of, uh, of tennis elites who are upset that they can't leave their hotel rooms to train and the whole thing's gone to hell in a handbasket. Mate, if you want to keep a new strain out of the country, you keep, you try your best to keep it out. They're not doing that. They're bringing it in on purpose. Well, I don't know whether they're doing it on purpose, but they certainly... Well, they are because the, the tennis, the Australian Open, is a sta- stock standard thing that's played every year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. I disagree with bringing it on purpose, but they, I mean, they're their own worst enemy. It's probably a better way of putting it, mate. But thank you for the call. Jackie, good morning. How are you? Jack, Jack, Jackie. You there, Jackie? Hi, yes. Hello, Jackie. How are you? Good, thank you. Excellent. First, this, I'm not going to take this jab, whatever they call it. And I did hear, like, this corona was invented by purpose to reduce the population of the world. Oh, we're live on here. Yeah. Sorry? Nothing. Go ahead. Yep. And also, if you want to make your system good, don't eat sweets, pudding, ice cream, fatty food. All this put a layer like a plastic thing on your chest, on your throat, on that, what you call this one, from the throat up to there. Where do these people come from? Where do they come from? Uh, right. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, I don't know where to go after that. Thank you. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. The telephone number. If you'd like to have you. If you're looking to start a business, buying a franchise is an excellent option. And with all group franchises, you'll have ongoing support. The home services industry is experiencing rapid growth as people are too busy to maintain their homes. All group franchises offers a range of home services franchise options, including lawns and gardens, and you'll be trained in every aspect. Visit allgroupfranchises.com.au or call o four two nine six nine one four one three. That's 0429 691 413. My mum's critically ill in hospital. It all happened so quickly. I caught up with her at home a few weeks ago, but I didn't know I had COVID. I had no symptoms. A week before, I had dinner with some mates. Tom said he just had a cold. Five days earlier, he worked a cafe shift with Sophie, who said she just had a sniffle. We all had COVID and unknowingly spread it. We can't change that. 
we can all change what we do in the future. Be COVID safe and save lives. To learn more, visit health.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Elder abuse can take many forms. Financial abuse is the most common. He said, Mum, I'll get the money for you. I gave him my card. He's my son. And then I got a call from the bank manager. I never expected this from my daughter. If I don't change my will, I can't see the grandkids again. For free confidential support, call 1800 Elder Help. That's 1800 353 374. G'day, Murph Hughes here. Summer is here, and that means two things. Our big quick sustaining on the pitch, and your car's aircon needs to be on top of its mark. Your off stump will be blown away by the aircon service at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Their fully qualified mechanics will keep you cool all year with a comprehensive service on your car's aircon system, no matter what you drive. Book online today at repcoservice.com. Are you feeling stiff, sore and sorry and looking for something to target those aching and arthritic body parts? With its natural organic ingredients, Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel might help you. Always read the label, use only as directed and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Look for Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest Stiff Sore and Sorry stockist, go to loveoilcollection.com.au or phone Ray on 040-6671-359. Peters of Kensington offers the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping in-store or online. Select from an abundance of fine quality products including kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, Peter's themed hampers are a great idea for birthdays and other special occasions. Peter's of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade, Kensington. Or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au. 2SM, 1269 AM, 2SM Digital and online at 2SMSuperNetwork.com. All right, uh, Terry, are you on the open line there, Terry? Yeah, hi. How you going? All right, thank you, Terry. Can you imagine the state of the rooms with all the broken rackets and broken mirrors and stuff that these people have had in tantrums? Well, yes. I don't understand. Look, if you're a, if you're at that level, um, do you really need well, to go up and build a thousand tennis balls before the open? No, that's right. They're just spoiled brats. <laughs> and, and every plane they bring in, mm. like there's 62 or 63 passengers, yep. and two or three or four of them have got bloody corona. Yeah, every well, there's, there's five in total now, we're told, and, and that's, yeah. you know, uh, we might as well have just allowed everybody else to come into the country if that was the case. Uh, and who's paying for the flights, too, because, you know, the 62 people on a jumbo or whatever. Oh, well, like I... Well, I would imagine that uh, the tennis players, I mean, they make their own way. They'd have deals with Tennis Australia, etc. But, look, if I was Craig Tilly, the boss of Tennis Australia, I'd be, you know, probably thinking, mm, maybe, we sh- yeah, maybe we should have held it off. Uh, at yeah. least postponed it. I don't know. Um, I'm sure it would have been a headache and a hassle, but it wouldn't have been the only thing that was cancelled. I mean, music Anzac festivals. Day was. Well, that's right, mate. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Marcus. All right, Terry. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. the telephone number. Marie, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Firstly, can I say thank you for your tribute to Goldie. 
I didn't like Goldie. I loved him. And so did most of the people that came from other stations to make this the number one program in the morning with Justin and Goldie. Secondly, you are 100% right about the people coming in, flying in now. We're almost over the virus and prevention's better than cure. And if you mm. doubt, leave it out. You're right about Norway as well. They became bilious, diarrhea and vomiting and died almost after they had the jab. Well, yeah, I'd, look, I'd, I don't uh, pretend to be an expert on immunisation, on, on vaccines, etc. I'll go with the government advice, but I, I must say, I've, you know, if you're having people dying from the, the Pfizer vaccine that's on its way here to Australia, then we do need to ask, I think, quite uh, serious questions, Marie. Marcus, whilst these people are all in isolation, they're not looking after themselves. Other people are being subjected. These viruses, germs, they just jump. And we're going to have a lot more of it. I think while we all love our sport, sometimes a bit of discipline, and I think even the sports people wouldn't want to be all isolated for 14 days when they come here. If we could just wait a little longer till we get over it, other people should never be put at risk, and that's what's happening, and it's spreading. Absolutely. Well said, Marie. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. 13 12 69, if you would like to have your say. Uh, David, good morning. How are you, Dave? Super good, mate. Excellent. Why did the art thief's van run out of petrol as he drove away from the Louvre? Why did the art thief fan run out of petrol as he hightailed it away from the Louvre? Because no Monet to buy de gas <laughs> to make the van go. Hang on. <laughs> Ah, oh, you've made my morning. Uh, what did you? What else did you want to say about the tennis, Dave? No, he didn't want to add a, a comment. All right, it says tennis regular has a joke. Didn't want to talk about the tennis after that. All right, on the email, Harry, in relation to COVID deaths in Norway, Harry says, Marcus, so the best they can say about those deaths is in Norway is don't worry, really. What about others that may have had side effects that they've not told us about? Makes me wonder whether I should believe these so-called experts that say vaccines don't cause any other problems. I don't think I don't think ScoMo would care about these elderly deaths because, being the cynic that I am, it means there are less pensions to pay out. Harry, that is very cynical, very cynical. Um, Lance says, well. So some tennis players are complaining. Reminds me when a well-known radio announcer kept incessantly whinging about the colour of the carpet in his studio. Poor little petal. Bye for now, Lance. Who was that? It wasn't me, Lance. I love the carpet here. Somebody you refer... Give me another message back, Lance. Are you talking about the carpet here at 2SM Sydney? I love the joint. I'm going to make sure I include it in my new house. You should see Justin Ross Scruff's front entrance. He's got this carpet everywhere, all over the joint. Ron, are you there, Ronnie? Good morning. How are you? All right, thanks, Ron. Um, yes, I'm talking about tennis. I, I, uh, I, I don't think we have a great deal of worry because I, we're in a very comfortable position at the moment that uh, uh, nobody's been having any deaths, and that's the thing that worries me the most, and uh, I think we can control it. I think tennis players will be tennis players. They always whinge because they're, they're the top of the 
the top of the, the, the pile. They well, get what happens, though? A, a lot of money. And, yeah, but hang uh, on, they Ronnie. Will hang on, win, Ron. So hang on. What I happens if... We'll... Hang on, Ron. What happens if somebody sorry, does... Mate, sorry, mate, sorry. What happens if somebody does die in Melbourne because of this latest outbreak? Well, if once we start, uh, once people start dying, then we then, then the problem is, is sort of come back. But we're not in that position for we haven't had a, a great deal of this for a long time now because they they do they do we do seem to be able to care for people when they get ill and um, you know better than anybody else that has been like two or three months be, uh, without a fatality. So at some stage or other, we've got to start living again and enjoying ourselves again and our tennis um, every year is one of the best things that, that, that I like to watch. I think it's a great tournament and uh, everybody has a good time and I'd be ashamed to, to deny us uh, that, that right. I mean uh, people uh, coming in is, is a certain amount of risk uh, but until we get to the situation that we're people are actually losing their lives over, we should live as normal as we possibly can. And in, and that means enjoying things in life. All right. All right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, you're a tennis fan. I could really care less, but fair enough. Sandra, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. I'm, I'm good and I'll be very brief. Um, right. I might be able to help allay some of the concerns of your listeners about the, uh, the deaths in Norway. This morning I heard a medical specialist from Norway speaking about the people who had died after they'd been vaccinated. Yeah. And he said most of them, they were all in their 80s and 90s. They were very ill and a lot of them had terminal illnesses. And I heard Norman Swan here say, why on earth would you bother vaccinating people who were terminally ill? But he said in Norway they're not worried at all because they know, um, you know, the condition the people were in. Well, there we go. I mean, that adds uh, further weight to the story that I mentioned earlier, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Sandra. Uh, Look, either way, uh, do people die of COVID or from COVID? What about if they already have underlying illnesses and they are extremely elderly and they were already vulnerable anyway? Uh, Look, I'm I'm not saying that, you know, of course, all deaths are tragic, no matter whether they're in elderly people or young people. Now, Debbie's got a story. Hello, Debbie. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. So, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, Debbie. You're a a prison wife and you haven't been able to see your partner. Is that right? That's correct, yes. For how long, Deb? Um, It's been a year since I personally have seen him, but, like, from January last year till March, that was because of my work constraints. Yeah. March, March of 2020, the jails closed. Yes. Um, to all visitors, and yes, we've had video visits. Then they got reinstated um, just uh, late November. Mm. Of course, work restrictions, but also they put a 30-minute limit on visits, and I'm one of like 12,468-odd prison wives across the state. Yep. Um, I Personally, my husband's six hours drive away from where I reside. Yes. So it's very difficult to go. And then, of course, I was work work constraints. Yep. Holidays started for me and because jails are closed, they're reopening today. That's 30-minute visits. All right. So they've reopened today. Is that right? For 30-minute visits? That's correct. Okay. You have to wear a a mask and all the normal, you know, um, considerations. Yes. 
Are you are you going to see your your partner today? No, he's six hours drive away. Mm, that's and, tough. Yeah, I I can't physically, and and really, when you think about it, that's a bit ridiculous to travel six hours one way for thirty minutes, and you're not allowed to even get a hug. Right. Um, and then drive six hours back, and I just get so annoyed when I see you know the cricket, the tennis, yep. all these things. We just sort of not eradicate, but basically has eradicated it from our shores. Only for, and then we think, oh, yeah, we take a step forward. And then we let in these people and, you know, obviously quarantine breaches, etc. And then we have to start all over again. Now, not just the visit, but there's inmates in, in prisons who are entitled to, um, because of their, you know, they've got less, less time left to serve, etc. Yeah. Just, you know, rehabilitation. Um, they're, they're looking at work release. All the work release had, had to be cancelled. All the, which, you know, is part of rehabilitation so that then when they do get released, they're going to be a productive member of society. And also, you know, their weekend releases to reconnect with their families and on a day basis and return to the jail at night. All that was cancelled. Well, that's right. And look, we need to remember that, uh, you know, people who are serving time in correctional facilities around Australia are also affected by this. And for those that might be listening, saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're in jail. That's beside the point. Uh, People still have rights. And I'm sorry, Deb. I'm really sorry that it's been so long since you've seen your partner. Just out of interest, how... How often, you know, when you say there's no COVID, no restrictions, what are the, the visiting uh, times prior to that? Do you get, how long do you get? Uh, it depends on, on the facility. Yeah. Some are an hour visit. Yep. But the more regional ones have like a, you know, like a couple of hours a day, sort of, you know, yep. nine in the morning or two in the afternoon or whatever. Mm. And just as you, you said, people say, oh, well, too bad, they're in jail, they shouldn't have committed crime and shouldn't have gone in there. People in there sometimes for car accidents and stuff like that. But regardless, as you said, they have rights. Absolutely. But they also have, they also have family. And that families include wives, yep. children, elderly parents. Um, you know, there's children. Oh, of course. I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. You know, I see children whose parents are in, in jail. And, you know, those kids are suffering. I mean, as adults, we can reach out a bit more. We sort of know when we need, you know, mental health um, relief. Yes. But children are really suffering, and I just think, you know, they need their mum, they need their dad, and, yeah, that's just really awful. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry it's been so tough for you, Debbie. Uh, what about on the weekend? Uh, look, I know it's a long way to drive, six hours for only a half an hour visit. Uh, would it be worth it maybe on a weekend to make a day of it, I guess? You know, yeah, I've had a, a few friends suggest that I make um, a weekend of it and go, you know, touring. But I just think knowing that I'm going to travel that distance, yeah. seeing him for half an hour and I can't, I can't touch it, like I can't, yeah. you know, hug, he can't give me a hug. I'm getting that on a video, A, the financial side of it, $100 in petrol true. alone. very true. Um, I've got medical issues, so I need to stay overnight because I can't cope yeah. with it. And, like, I've got, I have personally got mental health issues as a result. 
and I think he'd need to drag me away. Yeah. Um, you know, going to see him, not being able to get a hug, and hardly see him for 30 minutes. I literally would have, I think, the squad coming in and dragging me off my husband. And, and not in a bad way. Just, I, just I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I completely and utterly understand. And I, it must be very tough for you, Debbie. How long has he got to go? Um, 17 months. Okay. Well, let's yeah. hope it's a very, very quick 17 months, Debbie, because it sounds like, uh, you know, he needs you as much as you need him. And I wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Debbie. Take care of yourself, okay? Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. There we go. Uh, see, uh, COVID-19 affects everybody from all walks of life. All right, we're going to go to the news. Give me a call, 13 12 69. That's the telephone number. I predicted this late last year, that there would be some speculation early in 2021 on Labor and its leadership. And right on cue, the Australian newspaper leads the charge on stirring up a Labor leadership spill. Or at least they're trying their best to. A Union Commission poll showing the ALP faces the loss of two seats in its political heartland at the next election has promoted, sorry, has prompted a senior CFMEU official to call on Labor to dump Anthony Albanese as its party leader. Yes, this CFMEU national political organiser, Elizabeth Deutsch, she's no fan of Albo's, and she wants Tanya Plibersek to lead Labor to what she calls will be a victory if they change leaders. What do you make of it? Give me a call, 13 12 69, the number news. 2SM. 2SM, Super Network News. Filling in for John Laws, Marcus Paul. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Connect with us at 2SMSuperNetwork.com. Email us. Check out our podcasts and listen live to smsupernetwork.com. All right, welcome back to the program, the second hour of the John Laws Morning Show. Now, normally on my breakfast show, I catch up with our reporter in Canberra, Christine Ro- uh, Christina Rosengren. Uh, this morning, we had a little tribute to the late great Grant Goldman, uh, which meant we couldn't get Christina on the breakfast show, but I'm going to talk to her in just a couple of moments around Australia on the Lawsy Show. There's some some stories out of Canberra that we'll get to in just a moment. Meantime, though, um, just some food for thought. You might want to give us a call to talk about this. 13 12 69 is the number. You might remember back in 2016 when New South Wales councils were amalgamated or merged in some sort of cost-saving measure. I mean, it was a highly contentious move by the Liberal Party, led at the time by Premier Mike Baird, and essentially created 17 new larger councils. That, of course, left some people concerned that their new council didn't know their individual local government area well enough to represent and fight for their interests. Nonetheless, the mergers went ahead, and carry-on effects are still being felt. All 17 councils that were merged were required to have shifted to one rating system across their previous boundary lines. But what that means is that rates for residents in some suburbs are being 
well, increased considerably, while residents in neighbouring suburbs are receiving rate reductions. Let me give you an example. The new Inner West Council merged the Marrickville, Leichhardt and Ashfield local government areas. The change in rating systems means that those in Dulwich Hill, Petersham, Enmore and Newtown have had their rates increased a staggering 24%, while residents in Balmain and Birchgrove, which are affluent harbourside suburbs, have had their rates, you guessed it, reduced. Now, how does that work? And it's certainly not fair. A 24% rates increase is ridiculous. But then you find out that residents in the wealthy suburb of Balmain are benefiting from that increase by having their rates reduced. I mean, it should be and will be, well, felt by many in the community as being very, very unfair. You wouldn't believe this. Some residents in the new Bayside Council are now facing increases of up to, wait for it, 40%. It's now quite clear why so many people were opposed to the amalgamations or mergers in the first place, but now it's simply too late. The Coalition needs to address this issue and do it now and extend the deadline so that the increases are gradual. And more importantly, they need to make sure the fee changes are fair and reflect the average house prices of their respective suburbs. So give me a call. Are you one of those affected by these ridiculous price increases in your rates? Uh, Let me know. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Look, Health Minister Greg Hunt says Australia is proceeding with extreme caution in approving COVID-19. These are the vaccine candidates I'm talking about following the deaths of elderly Norwegian patients. I'll get to that story in a moment with Christina in Canberra. Uh, Meantime, on the, uh, the SMS... If you want to send us a text, you can 0458 049 209. G'day, Marcus. So our administrators and politicians are either totally stupid or, as an earlier caller said, happy to allow the new strain of COVID into our country by allowing tennis players from all over the world to come ashore. That's Matt from Boyland. Thank you, Matt. Uh, This one as well. Uh, G'day, Marcus. Like you, I'm no expert, but I imagine the incentive of a first-round appearance being a guaranteed $100,000 payday might encourage (laughs) snowflakes, but now it's just poor me, poor me. They're breaking my heart, Marcus. Gary, Gary's talking about, of course, the tennis players, a number of them now in quarantine. Uh, Look, I don't know. Is it... Seriously... If you bow out in the first round of the Australian Open, surely it's not that high. $100,000 for bowing out in the first round. I reckon it'd be a bit lower than that, Gaz, surely. Anyway, uh, this one as well. G'day, Marcus. You've been reporting about this salmon theft in Sydney. Yes. Well, um, my emailer tells me that I've been informed that one culprit's name is Ella. Does that make her alias Salmonella? Oh, very good, very good. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengrand. All right, Christina's there for us in our camera studio. Hello, Christina. How are you? 
Well, thank you, Marcus. How are you? Yeah, good. Welcome to a different day part, just after 10 o'clock New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. And tell me, Greg Hunt says there's nothing to worry about considering, well, despite the fact that a number of Norwegian people have lost their lives after taking this COVID-19 vaccine. Yes, so what's uh, happened in Norway is that there's been a number of uh, elderly Norwegian uh, patients being vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine. And what's happened is after they've been vaccinated, there have been, um, well, around 30 people who have uh, died. Consequently, there are 13 deaths that are being assessed and then or have been assessed and then 16 deaths which are currently being assessed. So Australian health authorities are uh, obviously uh, urgently seeking information from their Norwegian counterparts uh, to, to learn a little bit more about what happened. And obviously this has triggered a bit of an investigation, you know, trying to, to ascertain whether these uh, deaths are linked to the vaccine and then if so, in what way. All of the patients who died were in nursing homes and all of them were over the age of 80. So what's sort of believed to be the issue here is that those who were vaccinated and then passed away suffered side effects from the vaccines, which included fever and nausea. Yeah. And because they were elderly and frail patients, it may be the case that their bodies just couldn't handle the side effects and maybe not directly, you know, the, the vaccine itself. But Health Minister Greg Hunt of Australia is going to be proceeding with extreme caution all the same. He's seeking details now and has been in contact with the Therapeutic Goods Administration to seek additional information from them as well. It hasn't delayed the rollout of our vaccine, though. We have 10 million doses of Pfizer and 50 of AstraZeneca, and uh, health officials also don't seem overly concerned. I think the lesson they're sort of uh, pushing here is, is that we should just be careful in selecting who is vaccinated when it comes to the elderly. All right. Meanwhile, the Morrison government is facing pressure from within to increase the cap on international arrivals into the country. Well, that's not going to be, uh, uh, well, received very well by a number of Australians, considering what's going on with the Australian Open arrivals. Yes, exactly. So uh, I don't know if you know, but the uh, but Emirates has announced it's suspending flights into Australia. So that's uh, cutting off a major option for standard Australians trying to get home from overseas. Yeah. And uh, they're suspending those flights for operational reasons, it says. And uh, so as a result, the government's been scrambling to redistribute Emirates seats to other airlines. And it's also trying to arrange some special rescue flights. So I think there'll be uh, further 20 repatriation flights to assist Australians in key locations. Uh, but we're now hearing that Japan Airlines might be making a similar decision to Emirates next month, and it says it's currently reviewing its schedule for February. And uh, sort of all of this comes, you know, as, as the international arrivals cap has already been lowered to try to limit the spread of the uh, highly contagious UK strain of COVID-19. Uh, so with this in mind, the race to return home is heating up, and with it, you know, the government is under increasing pressure and the uh, Liberal MP, Trent Zimmerman, he told the Sunday Age that uh, the lower cap is having a dire impact on overseas. He wants it to be increased again almost immediately. And that similar comments from Liberal Katie Allen and also uh, Dave Sharma. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so uh, this isn't really new. Some government MPs have called for, for more to be done uh, earlier. But, you know, as we spoke about last week, this issue certainly isn't going away. Craig Kelly's had a lot to say in relation to vaccines. Last time I checked, he wasn't a medical professor, a professional or a doctor. Um, And I called him out last week on what I think was quite dangerous posts on his social media uh, accounts. uh, Am I right in seeing that polling has shown that three in four, so three quarters of people who were polled, believe the Prime Minister should rebuke Craig Kelly for spreading misinformation online? 
Yes, that's correct. So just over a thousand respondents were surveyed by the think tank, the Australia Institute, on a number of uh, political issues, and among them were questions about Liberal MP Craig Kelly and the sorts of things he's posting about online. As we spoke about last week, he's been spruiking hydroxychloroquine as a COVID treatment, and then I think the latest one was linking the uh, mandatory mask mandate to child abuse. And, uh, you know, uh, Craig Kelly is quite an influential person on social media, so uh, it's, you know, not very helpful. And the survey found, the survey from the Australia Institute found that 76 respondents agree that fully that the Prime Minister should stand up to Mr Kelly and and rebuke him for running this sort of unhelpful commentary. And they found that there was support for that across party lines. The coalition voters also agreed. Now, a national leader, Michael McCormack, was asked to condemn Mr Kelly last week uh, while Mr Morrison was on holiday, but he refused to do that. The health minister has also avoided making any clinical comments, but the only one to stand up to Mr Kelly so far has been the chief medical officer, Paul Kelly. But obviously Australians think that uh, government leaders should really be doing more. All right, Christina, thank you for filling us in with all of that. Uh, Christina in the capital, um, we'll talk to you again on the breakfast program tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Christina Rosengren, who's our reporter in Canberra. You can catch her reports uh, during our news bulletins on the Super Radio Network. And, of course, she does uh, a segment with us each and every morning just after 8 o'clock on Marcus Paul in the morning on 2SM. All right, uh, a quick break and we'll come back and talk to you on the open line, that number 13 12 69, if you would like to have you say. Maybe you'd like to talk about this. A CFMEU official is calling on Labor to remove Anthony Albanese as its leader. The Australian reports Elizabeth Doige wants Albo to be dumped after a Union Commission poll found the ALP could lose two seats in its political heartland at the next election. There is speculation an election could be held in the second half of this year. Meantime, the Rail, Tram and Bus Union has launched a campaign to protect workers at serious risk from the coronavirus. They're calling on the federal government to create the COVID vulnerable worker payment for elderly employees or those with pre-existing conditions who can't work from home. (laughs) Good luck. Anyway, the RTBU National Secretary Mark Diamond says it would prevent these workers putting themselves at risk during a localised outbreak. Look, I can't see um, the federal government agreeing to this, but, I mean, good luck to them. So they're calling on the federal government to create the COVID vulnerable worker payment for elderly employees or those with pre-existing conditions who can't work from home. Mm. Somehow I can't see the federal government opening up the purse strings for that. All right, what I want to do uh, is go to 4KZ in Innisfail. Um, we're tracking the tropical cyclone, Kimmy, which is expected to make landfall in far north Queensland later today. Winds of up to 130 kilometres an hour are expected to hit the area from Palmerville um, north. The Category 2 storm will probably intensify before it crosses the coast near Port Douglas late this afternoon. Now from 4KZ in as well as Glenn Johns. Good morning to you, Glenn. Marcus, good day to you, mate. How are you? Not bad. Uh, it's pretty calm and sunny here in Sydney town, but what's it like up where you are? Uh, it's, pre- it's pretty calm for far north Queensland getting ready for a cyclone. Um, just bringing you up to date, with uh, we've got the advice number eight here for Kimmy. 
Yep. She's moving south uh, along our coast. He expected to turn south-southwest, although the Bureau of Meteorology is a little bit sceptical as to what it can do because it's a small and uh, quite tight cyclone. These things are very unpredictable, so they've got their areas affected slash warning zone from Port Douglas to Air pushing inland to Mareeba, Atherton, Cairns and Townsville and uh, still a Category 1 at the moment, Marcus, but like you said, they're expecting it's going to pick up as it moves south and uh, get to Category 2. That sort of category can uh, uproot trees and uh, oh, bring yeah. down power lines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I was up in far north Queensland when Yazi came through and I'll never, ever forget it. It was just frightening. So have people mm. been... Uh, stocking up on essentials. I mean, there's no panic, as you know, because, you know, people in North Queensland have built a pretty tough stuff, but have people been stocking up and making preparations, just in case? Well, well, I would have hoped people have been stocking up for the last couple of months. I mean, we have cyclone season, storm season every year, and uh, those that have been here for eons have got everything sorted. They've got sure. the fuel, they've got the generators, last-minute stuff, obviously, stocking up on. But we've had uh, just a little bit of rain here in the far north over the last few weeks, Mark, um, mm. hundreds of millimetres, and that's uh, put out a, a call from the uh, Bureau on a minor to moderate flooding because we're pretty much all soaked. We don't need another rain episode. Otherwise, rivers like the Genie, the Murray, the Tully, the Johnson, Mulgrave, Russell, they could all, uh, you know, be, be in peril. So everyone's just watching. Everyone's aware. No one's panicking. It's just the way it is up here. Yeah. Well, look, good luck. Uh, our thoughts are with everybody, um, as they always are during cyclone season. Let's hope uh, that Kimmy doesn't cause too much of a... A drama up there for you. Um, I mean, at worst, of course, you will have some damage, but at best, maybe just a little localised flooding. But uh, our thoughts are with you. All the best, mate. No worries, mate. You can cross back to us any time. We'll keep you up to date because uh, we broadcast your program right across the far north, so it's a good reach. All right, mate. Appreciate it, Glenn. Thank you so much for your time. Good on you, Marcus. Talk soon. There he is, uh, Glenn Johns, who is at 4KZ in Innisvale, uh, now, of course, 4KZ takes the Lawsy program and a part of the Super Radio Network, and uh, he's their breakfast announcer. Um, so thank you for that. Appreciate the call through. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say. Um, there's still a bit of conjecture coming through on my texts here as to how much these tennis players get if they bow out in the first round. Sorry, Marcus, it's $100,000 if you win. All right, so if you win your first round game, you're guaranteed 100K. Is that right? What do you get if you bow out, if you lose? Hmm. Uh, now, on the email as well, Jamie has decided to have a crack at Christina. How would she know that 76% of Australians do not support Kelly? I call BS. Well, Jamie, you obviously weren't listening correctly to what Christina was saying. She said 76% of the respondents of the survey she was talking about do not support Craig Kelly. And I don't really care for the language you've used either, Jamie, so how about you don't text us anymore? Uh, what about this one from John? G'day, Marcus. How about Midcoast Council, Great Lakes, Taree and Gloucester were amalgamated? Merge councils were to have their rates frozen for three years. In the dead of night, as swiftly as it was, um, that did not apply to Mid-Coast Council. Hence, we received increases in rates from day one. Currently, Mid-Coast Council still operates as three different identities. Uh, 
The only change is two less mayors. We also have three different rate structures. Well, great, isn't it? See, this is the thing. Weren't we all promised a reduction in rates because... After all, the whole idea about merging councils in New South Wales was to reduce costs. So, in other words, ratepayers wouldn't be hit in the hip pocket each and every time they decided they'd throw up a, you know, the rates. Hmm. Didn't happen, did it? Anyway, if you have a rate story, please give us a call, 13 12 69, if you want to send me a message. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. 2SM Sydney Traffic. Mount Cole of the M1, approaching Karingo Chase Road, a car broken down southbound in the breakdown lane. Brower Waters, ferry between Bay Road and Brower Waters Road. The ferry's out of service for a routine maintenance. Chatswood, heavy Pacific Highway, approaching Fuller's Road, northbound direction. The BMW Demonstrator event is now on, which makes a dream somehow realistic. Search BMW or visit your local dealership today. T's and C's and exclusions apply. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 1269. Finance Easy can help you through these uncertain financial times. Whether you need to get on top of bills, business loans, car loans, equipment finance, Finance Easy can take the stress out of finding finance with Australia's best rates. We are here to support the community. Chat to us online or over the phone and let us take care of everything. Visit financeeasy.com.au or call 1300 003-003. Finance Easy. That's E-Z-I. We make getting what you want easy. If you're looking to start a business, buying a franchise is an excellent option. And with all group franchises, you'll have ongoing support. The home services industry is experiencing rapid growth as people are too busy to maintain their homes. All group franchises offers a range of home services franchise options, including lawns and gardens, and you'll be trained in every aspect. Visit allgrouppranchises.com.au or call 0429 691 413. That's 0429 691 413. Welcome to Chili Pip Lounge Designs, where we custom make your lounge to suit your exact needs and style. Our factory and showroom are based in Sydney, made by Australians for Australians. Chili Pip specialises in lounges, sofa beds and ottomans. Choose your favourite fabric or leather. Feel safe with a 10-year warranty and over 20 years experience. Call Chili Pip Lounge Designs today and speak to one of our friendly staff on 1300 797 516. Chilipip.com.au G'day Murph Hughes here. Summer is here and that means two things. Our big quicks are steaming in on the pitch and your car's aircon needs to be on top of its mark. Your off stump will be blown away by the aircon service at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Their fully qualified mechanics will keep you cool all year with a comprehensive service on your car's aircon system, no matter what you drive. Book online today at repcoservice.com. When it comes to the management of pain and inflammation associated with osteo and other mild forms of arthritis, Stiff, Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel may assist you. Always read the label, use only as directed, and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Look for Stiff, Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest Stiff, Sore and Sorry stockist, go to loveallcollection.com.au or phone Ray 0406 6713592. SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, where are the survivors? 2SM has Sydney talking. Filling in for John Laws, Marcus Paul. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Connect with us at 2SMSupernetwork.com. Email us. 
Check out our podcasts and listen live to smsupernetwork.com. All right, I've got some uh, detail here. Um, <laughs> I'm in the wrong game. I should have picked up a tennis racket when I was still in nappies, for God's sake. Look at the prize money here. The total prize money for the 2020 tournament, this is last year, so it's probably gone up this year, but last year the total prize money for the Australian Open was $71 million. $71 million. that's right. The winner received $4.1 million. The runner-up, $2.6 million. A semi-finalist, just over a million dollars. A quarter-finalist, 525000 If you make it to the fourth round, you earn 300000 uh, You make it to the third round, you earn 180000 The second round, 128000 And if you make it through the first round and then you lose, you still walk away with $90,000. Qualifiers... Well, if you get through the third tier of qualifying and then you get knocked out before that, uh, you can earn up to 50000 It's good money, hey? Great coin. And that's for men and women, mind you. Uh, and that's before doubles or mixed doubles. And if you're you know, a really good tennis player and you manage also to play doubles or mixed doubles, well, you can even add more money to the kitty. No wonder they all want to come. <laughs> And I doubt that that would be the most prize money in world tennis either. Uh, I would imagine uh, you could earn a hell of a lot more at, say, the US Open or the French or even at Wimbledon. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Hello. Hello. Yes, Jeff. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, Marcus. Mate, this Vera Jicklin, she would have most, been the most hypocritical, lowest politician I think I've ever seen. All right. Well, them's fighting words. Why would you say that? Well, she's come out now, paper talk today. Yeah. About if you if you're not vaccinated, you'll be you, you can be denied access to pubs and clubs. That was a headline. Then you read through the article. Yep. If the plan goes ahead, government-run settings where proof of vaccine may be required for entry include departmental buildings, police, fire stations, or service New South Wales outlets. That's right. Now, now mate. We all know what went on with her last year. She come out about the pork baron or whatever, mm. and now she's telling us we supposedly live in a free world that we've got to get this jab. Now, what if you don't want it? You just don't agree with it because I, I'm cynical about the COVID. Yeah. So, yep. It's no worse than the flu, in my opinion. There's more as many people die from the flu every year, but well, it's look, just... a lot of people agree with you, and and I'll be honest with you, unless you are vulnerable yourself or you're not working with people who are vulnerable, well, then you're probably, you know, you're well within your rights not to get it. It's not mandatory. No, but it's by stealth. If you're, not, if you're not vaccinated, you won't be able to go and have a beer at the pub. Well, it does, doesn't worry me, but it's still, it's a, it's a privilege of people. If you're not, we're not going to make you get it, but if you don't get it, you won't have access to these facilities. Well, well that's uh, more or less making you more or less twisting your arm and saying you've got to have it if you want to live a life. Well, your phone call to me right now is very much what I'm reading, uh, and social media is a very good gauge as to how people are feeling about, you know, uh, these mm-hmm. announcements and comments. Well, it's not an announcement. It's it's some look. Do you want to tell? Me, do you want me to tell you what I really think's happened here? The Daily Telegraph, uh, which is Gladys's 
basically her her promotional <laughs> material. They've decided they needed to sell a few more uh, copies of the Telegraph today on a Monday morning. It's pretty thin, so maybe advertising's down. So they thought, oh, look, why don't we stir up the punters? No jab, no way. Exclusive pub ban plan for anti-vaxxers. So I reckon... And I'll tell you... Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, mate. This COVID is a thing that keeps giving because while we've got Morrison, he's struck a wave of, of he can't believe his luck. He had all the airways. We had fire season. Then we've got COVID for the last twelve months. No one's putting him under scrutiny for these things, these policies he's putting through Parliament, where they're listening to the people. They brought in that law. Yeah, it's a, it's you're going through Parliament where there's indemnity and foreign troops have got indemnity if they come on the soil. That's all gone through Parliament, and yet we don't hear about it. All we hear is COVID. And I think they're just pumping it for as much as they can because while that's happening, they're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction, Jeff. You're absolutely right. Well said, mate. Thank you. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. Thank you. Um... I'd like to say something about, um, oh, here we go, the anti-vaxxers. Hey, listen, beware. Yes. Beware. Mm. No, don't bulk up on toilet paper. What you've got to do is you've got to bulk up on bottled water because the next thing you're going to do, hey, if you don't take it, they're going to put it in the water supply. Uh, I've got to say something about this. Hang on, hang on. Did you, just, did you just tell me? Did you just float the idea that maybe they're going to, I don't know, spike our water supply with the vaccine? Well, hey, if, 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 <laughs> you know, oh, listen, hey, listen, what, what's wrong with that? They put everything else in there, you know, like the tooth decay and whatnot. Yeah. Why not put a COVID thing oh, in there? no. Uh, there's a bit well, of a anyway, difference look, between look, fluoride look, and... Look, I've just, hey, listen, I've just got a very um, a broad-spectrum mind... Well, that's one way and of putting it. what I'd like to say, <laughs> I don't care whether you like it or lump it. Right. Now, with this COVID-19 testing kit, yes. you know, uh, Aussie invention, you know, 99% accurate, mm-hmm. takes two minutes to get a reading. And you know what? And it's been flogged overseas yes. uh, uh, from Australia. You know, like, uh, we, we're not even privy to this. We, 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 you know, like we're the last on the list, but but this is ninety nine percent accurate, and it takes two minutes. Now it's been flogged. Apparently, it's been flogged to America. You know, well, don't, don't, don't you we wish? Feel like, hang on, don't, don't you? Hang on, sh- don't you wish that you had invented it? Come on, no. be honest. Be honest. Hey, hey, uh, you've got to benefit. People that invented it first. All right, all right, Susan. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Fair. Okay. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Jamie, are you there? Ah, uh, yes, I am. G'day, yes, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Morning, mate. Yeah, and I just yeah, just go yeah, because because I like um your show. I, I listen regularly, so thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to make um um I want to talk about four different subjects if that's okay. Yes. One of them is because I like say uh, cricket. Soccer and rugby league. Yeah. I just want to make a comment of each on each um, before I go into something else. But say with um, say with the cricket, I kind of like to see say like the numbers on on players' backs on their shirts. I sort of like to see the the players numbered like in batting order. 
I thought that might might make some more sense. Okay, well, yeah, that's that's a little out there, but yeah, fair enough. I don't, I don't understand why. Uh, I'm just having a look at the cricket now. It's up on my screen. Dave Warner, his number is 31. He's batting at the moment. Why is he numbered 31? Did he just pick it all? I don't get it. Uh, oh, well, you're exactly. It would make more sense, and it would it would, it would uh, cling to my mind more if he was um, if he had um, the number one shirt on his back because. He's opening batsman. He usually yes. faces the first ball, two of each innings. Usually, so you know, he'd be like the uh, in. Well, we'd be at the top of the order. So, just like at the back of the football ground, he would be the goalkeeper who wears traditionally number one. Is that right? Uh, well, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, very good. All right. What was the next topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one too. Say with, um, say with the soccer. I really love to see. I'm hoping the World Cup qualifiers go ahead this year. <laughs> Because because last year Australia were going to play in about uh, about ten internationals like yeah because you know, they're on the Asian Cup um, yep. like the Asian zone and also too they they were going to compete in the uh, compete in, in the Copa America last year too. Um, yeah, but COVID put a, an end to all of that, of course, and I, I yeah. don't, I don't think we'll be, spe- we will not be sending any uh, professional uh, footballers. Soccer players uh, or cricketers anywhere at this point in time. Um, oh, okay. We won't be doing that at the moment, I don't think, Jamie. Oh, okay. Well, what's the shame? Because it's planned to go ahead anyway. But anyway, okay. Mm. And, and also, too, the uh, same with the rubber league. Say when it comes, say to um, with to draw it full time. Okay, uh, uh, I kind of, I kind of quite like um, so going and playing. But I like to see maybe the team that loses, you know, sort of like credited in some way. You know, like they're not really like credited uh, at all. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah. you can only be one one winner and one loser. I don't mind Golden Point, to be honest. I think it adds a little bit of excitement to the game. And there can only be one loser and one winner. Um, at the end of the day, why, why do we have to hand out chocolates to everybody? What are we Next, we're going to give best and fairest awards to NRL players. At the end of the day, I, uh, I, I like the idea of, you know, of having Golden Point. Sometimes it becomes a little bit of a... Uh, a drop goal thon but that's always fun too. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Lots of points there. 13, 12, 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say, Marcus Paul. In the- Bundaberg Ginger Beer is a true blue brew. A quintessential classic craft brewed over three days using real Aussie ginger and a traditional family recipe, which has been perfected over four generations. Treat yourself this summer to the great Australian brew, Bundaberg Ginger Beer. Sydney to the Sunshine Coast. Get up. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now. 13 12 69. All right, Bev, are you there, Bev? Yes, I am, Marcus. Hello. You wanted to know about what's happening with the cyclone. Yeah, uh, um, my daughter's up there. Um, where, whereabouts is she? Uh, Port Douglas. She's bank manager. Oh, OK. All right. Well, tropical cyclone Kimmy is expected to make landfall. Later today, uh, now, they say winds of up to 130 kilometres an hour are expected to hit the area from Palmerville. Uh, the category... I don't know the year. I haven't been up there yet. All right, well, Port Douglas, in a nutshell, Port Douglas is expected to basically where, uh, to be where this uh, the tropical cyclone, it may reach Category 2, mm. and it'll intensify and cross the coast near Port Douglas later this afternoon. Right. Now, also, she yes. li- they live at Gelatin. Right. 
Now, do you know where that is? No, I don't, but I can look it up. Uh, look, yeah, I'm I sure that she'll... I'm sure, look Bev, look, Bev, I'm sure she will be okay. I'm sure that uh, all Naturally, the necessary... you worry. Of course you do. I completely understand yeah. that. But all the necessary precautions would have been put in place. They're pretty good up there around Port Douglas and those other areas. They're used to, you know, they've had months to prepare for a possibility of a tropical cyclone. It is cyclone season. This one, yeah, possibly I know a Category yeah. 2. So, look, they've, they've dealt with far worse. Yeah. Far worse. But I'm sure she's going to be okay, Bev. Can you... Can yeah, you... I know she'll be okay, but... Yeah. Mum's worry. Of course they do. Can you make contact with her at all? Can you call her um, at work? Or... Well, I don't like to ring her at work because she's got, you know, David yeah. on the plate and I don't like interrupting her. Well, it probably wouldn't matter, bearing in mind that a cyclone is on its way to Port Douglas. Maybe you should make an exception uh, to yeah. your rule of not wanting to, to bug your daughter at work. It, <laughs> might, it might make you feel a little better and she might be chuffed that Mum's worried about her. Yeah, <laughs> she knows I'm worried about her. And listen, you you were down in Canberra, were you? Uh, me? At any time? No, uh, yeah, I was, there? yes, I was at 2CC for a number of years. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Because <laughs> yes. I'm from Canberra. Oh, okay, whereabouts? Foster. Um, uh, God, Foster. You are, you go. Uh, Flory. But oh, I originally yes. lived at the foot of Mount Ainsley. Oh, lovely spot. Yes. Lovely spot. Not that far good from... Day, good days then. Not far from the War Memorial there. No, I, I lived at the War Memorial. Oh, well, there you go. It's... Yeah, I'd be there Anzac Day before anyone else, I think. Yeah, I, look, it's one of my favourite. It Look, I have to, and I've said this I know, this I hear before. you talk about <laughs> The War Memorial is my favourite Australian attraction. Absolutely, I would, you know, I would choose that over most. And I've been to a lot of attractions around Australia, but the War Memorial for me is probably the best. Thank you for the call and good luck to you, Bev, and I'm sure your daughter will be okay up there in Port Douglas today. Nothing's interrupted our lives more than COVID-19. If you have a cough, please get tested for it. But if you've had an unexplained and persistent cough <coughs> that's stuck around for many weeks <coughs> and you're feeling breathless, breathless, nothing should interrupt you asking your GP <coughs> to test for something more serious like lung cancer or lung disease. <coughs> for more information... Visit lungfoundation.com.au, Australia's leading lung health charity. Introducing the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV with a muscular, elegant design. First in class safety features never before seen in the category. Class-leading tech and interior space offering the finest comfort across all seven seats. Plus, Australia's best seven-year warranty. I fantasize about this back in Chicago. The seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. What starts with A and ends with E. Supplements for you and me. Arbor Vitae, Australia's favourite health supplements for the whole family, are now available in over 700 chemists and health food stores nationwide. Learn more at arborvitae.com.au. Arba Vitae at your favourite pharmacy or phone 1300 879 863. My family's been farming this land for generations and hopefully will for many more to come. Things aren't as easy to do on the farm as they once were and we hear of too many injuries, especially to older farmers. If you've been in the game as long as me, there are things you can do to make work easier and safer. 
The Great Idea Bank is a guide produced by older farmers for older farmers with practical tips that can help whether you think you're old or not. For copies, visit farmsafe.org.au. Peters of Kensington is the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping online or in-store. Whichever you choose, an abundance of fine quality products awaits. Kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas are just part of the huge range. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, the especially themed hampers are a great alternative to something more traditional. Peters of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade or shop online at petersofkensington.com. Why in the world would you shop anywhere else? Your local bowls club is seeking competitive teams. You'll need your natural, whose sporting prowess is unmatched. Your technician to roll you in and out of the tighter spots. Your thinker to lead your game plan. Your enforcer to strike when needed. And Steve, uh, he can get the drinks. Local legends wanted. Search Bowls Club near me to join a team or start one. The John Laws Morning Show on Sydney's 2SM, 1269. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Email us, morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Well, I don't think this will come as much of a surprise to my listeners. More than two-thirds of us want Australia Day to remain on January 26th. This is according to a brand new poll from the Institute of Public Affairs. The question that they asked was, should Australia Day date change? No, says 69% of people. Yes, said 11%, while 20% were unsure. So more than two-thirds of us want Australia Day to remain as it is on January 26th. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Marcus. How are you going? All right, thank you, buddy. Are you in Melbourne? I'm in Melbourne and I'm listening uh, online um, at the moment Wonderful. Uh, through through an Innisfail radio station. Excellent. So I'm actually calling up from Melbourne and I've been listening probably for the last half an hour to some of your other callers. Sure. Uh, because I live in Melbourne, I'm actually one supporting the Australian Open in three weeks' time, which starts on the 8th of uh, February. Yep. So... Uh, um, actually supported. Um, we've got three weeks to get everything under control. I believe there are going to be, at the moment, um, some uh, uh, crowd numbers um, going to the to, to watch the Australian Open. Um, whether that uh, will be the case in three weeks, you know, who knows? But at yeah. the moment, there will be a crowd. And I'm wanting, I'm supporting it because I'm actually wanting the. <laughs> I think it will be good for Melbourne as a city to uh, start getting, um, start getting um, back to a normal. Life back. Yeah. Okay. Look, a lot of people feel the same way. I understand. And look, um, Australian Open. Uh, we've got the tests being played at the moment uh, in Brisbane. Uh, some argue that it's sport, and we need sport. For our mental health, we need sport. It creates jobs, etc. I think what's a little off-putting, more more than anything at the moment, is probably the fact that some of these tennis players are getting a bit jumpy and annoyed and starting to make demands of getting out of quarantine. If that's allowed, then I think public sentiment might very quickly change because, look, so many of us have had to sacrifice seeing loved ones and travelling and. You know, we sacrificed doing anything for Anzac Day, etc. So that's it's a bit rich when 
Very wealthy tennis stars start wanting to throw their weight around, I think. Anyway, Darren, are you there? Yes, good morning, sir. How are you? All right. Marcus will do. Cairns in North Queensland. Oh, beautiful. Cairns. Wonderful. Well, yeah, a bit on the tropical side at the moment. Yeah, I rain around with uh, Cyclone Kimmy around, but yeah, you get that. Well, that's true. That's true. What's yeah. on? You wanted to talk about the uh, the tennis no, as well. Just about just about the tennis, mate. Um, I mean, we've cancelled the Sydney to Hobart race. Yep. There's no spe- there's no spectators there. You can only watch it on TV. That's true. We cancelled the uh, Formula One races in Adelaide there. Yep. We've cancelled football games and everything with minimum spectators allowed back in afterwards. Yep. What? Why can't we cancel postpone the tennis? I mean, it's not the only thing that's been postponed in, in the world at the moment. So, no. like, why can't we postpone the tennis? Well, any more outbreaks, and they probably will. The reason they won't is because the players are already here. I think it's probably too late now. That's the problem, Darren. They've, okay, they've already so flown what, over. Why were they allowed to come here? Well, that that's I think is. Thing. I think that's the main question. I don't know why it wasn't I mean, canned in the first place. Australia is an island. You can only get here by a boat or a plane. So. Yep. That's something the government needs to look at, saying, OK, let's stop the, stop the ships and, and let's stop the planes. Well, absolutely, uh, unless it's Australians wanting to come back from overseas. But they were told, I mean, last well, March, for goodness told, sake. Yeah, they were told to come back back then. So, I mean, uh, yeah, very well. Uh, very well said, mate. Appreciate it. You have a good day there in Cairns. And I hope it doesn't get too wet because of the cyclone. You're not in the firing line, but certainly you will cop a, a little bit of wind and some rain up there, OK? Yeah, we'll look after ourselves. <laughs> All right, mate. All the best to you. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Have a good day. You bye. too, buddy. Bye-bye. James, are you there? Hello, James. Oh, hey, Mark. I said, sorry, mate. I was um, just okay. admiring the scenery. Yep, that's okay. Hang yes, on. Just now. admiring the scenery. Um, what uh, what colour hair did she have? Oh, she's a blonde and a okay. nice tight white shirt. Anyway. All right. Yeah, um... Two things. One, I was going to talk about Elbow, but first I'll give you the answer for the cricket numbers. They all get to choose their number. When they get selected, they get, right, these are the numbers available. What number do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. That's why, you know, obviously, Warner's got 31 and, and others have yeah. different numbers. Fair enough. And I go, I suppose if you're a fan of that player, you will support that player. You'll notice, you'll know yeah. what number they and are. The idea, yeah. the idea of the numbers was, when they're out in the field, you know that 31 is Warner. So there. So if he was one and then he wasn't playing, someone else's one, oh, who's that? Is that Warner? No, he's not playing. They got confused. There's only the numbers there so people could pick out the players in the field. Yeah. How long have they worn numbers on their back um, during just tests? just over 12 months or so. Okay. It started over in the Ashes, I think. Well, All right. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And anyway, with Elbow, it doesn't matter who's leading the Labor Party. Yes. As, as long as they keep on going, um, oh, we want renewables, we're going to get rid of coal fire, we're going to get, you know, go the green way, yeah. they'll never get elected. If everyone was, the majority of people wanted all that, the Greens would be in power. They want 100% tomorrow mm. or yesterday. Yes. They want to get rid of coal and everything yesterday. So if everyone was, the majority wanted it that way, they would have won the last election, hands down. Well, I spoke to Joel Fitzgibbon about this this morning. Uh, he, if, if anyone's under pressure to hold their seat, it's him. Him and the two others up there in the Hunter. Um, yep. I mean, Joel had a massive swing against him in the last federal election. 
Uh, why do you think he's moved um, <laughs> to the back bench? He wants to get himself as far away as he possibly can, distance himself from, That's I right. guess, the inner city elites that seem to be running the Labor Party. Uh, they need to get back to grassroots people, values. Know, we want to get um, solar panels on our house, but we've got to try to convince someone, the renters or the owner of the rental yeah. property behind us, to get rid of their big tree. Oh. then we can get solar panels. Doesn't work, does it, mate? That's the problem. Uh, don't mean to rush you, but I do have to go because I've got the news, sport and weather coming up in just a couple of moments, but we'd love to talk to you after the news. 13, 12, 69. In for the John Laws Morning Show, Marcus Paul in the morning. 2SM Sydney. Marcus Paul in the morning. Filling in for John Laws. I thank Marcus. He's a very good broadcaster, full stop. We love this industry. We love what we're doing. Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning. Call 13 12 69. Absolutely not. And the king of talkback, John Laws, back on February 1, which happens to be a Monday this year. So Lawsy back on Feb 1. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Uh, Chris, are you there, mate? Yes, Marcus, Paul, all morning. How are you going, mate? <laughs> it's not all morning. It's a little I bit of the morning. To, just quickly, in regard to that 76% of those people who responded to that survey. Yes. You were talking to Christine, whatever her name was earlier on in the piece. Christina, our reporter in Canberra. It was just yeah, a survey yeah. that uh, she was reporting on, and this was over Craig Kelly. That's correct. The uh, Guardian today has also got a headline, three quarters of Australians say Scott Morrison should rebuke Craig Kelly for the COVID misinformation. Well, I believe he should. Yeah, but the point that I'm making there is that you rebuked that other fellow for saying that it was BS because the, the, what the perception here is that this particular poll that they've taken is giving us a cross-section of the Australian community and three quarters of Australians say they should, that he should, which... I don't believe that's the case. Listening to the people that come onto your radio, there's a lot of negativity about what the government and the health department are putting forward. Well, it, on some programs, yes, and I don't want to get into it, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, I agree with what Anthony Albanese's had to say this morning in condemning Craig Kelly for spreading misinformation during a pandemic. It's dangerous, and the Prime Minister should do likewise. Yeah, but I think, is it, is it really misinformation? Well, he's not a doctor. And it's not. It's out. but it's not the advice that's being given by the Australian governments and and also the doctors. Uh, I who... cannot look. I, I appreciate that, that, Marcus. But if you look at the big picture here, this cancel cancel culture. They, there was a story in the paper yesterday in the Telegraph, and they were dismissing Christensen and Kelly because they were on a site called Gab Social. And they said it was a neo-Nazi website. Oh, I'm look, I'm not interested in any of that rubbish. Uh, call Dean. Dean's back on the weekend, mate, if you want to talk about conspiracy rubbish. I'm a responsible broadcaster, <clears throat> and I'll only be talking about, uh, you know, the vaccines that the government is... Uh, discussing at the moment what we spent our taxpayer dollars on and uh, look again um, I don't want to get involved in anything that Craig Kelly wants to spin or any of the others ivermectin that other ridiculous word that I have trouble saying um, as far as I'm concerned we shouldn't be spreading any misinformation during a pandemic and Yes, Craig Kelly is using his office to spread doubt about vaccines and masks, and it should be called out by all leaders of all parties. Where's the Prime Minister on this? Is he back from holidays yet? 
Ralph, good morning. How are you? Yes, good morning, Marcus. I'm going good, thanks. How are you? All right, Ralph, what did you want to talk about? Yeah, I'd like to talk about Albo and this possible leadership spill with the CFMEU thinking about wanting to dump him. Well, they're not happy. Um, in particular, one person from the CFMEU is not happy. Um, but yes, go ahead. Yeah, well, I reckon it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant who runs the Labor Party. It's irrelevant who runs the Liberal Party too. It doesn't even matter who you've got, whether it's Albo, ScoMo or Joel Fitzgibbo. Right. It's all irrelevant. It doesn't matter who you vote why is for. It irrele- you- why is it irrelevant, Ralph? You've told me it's three times. It's all irrelevant because whoever you vote for, you're still going to get the Lima Agreement, the communist Lima Agreement, where all our jobs and manufacturing get sent overseas. And these politicians don't give us stuff. And you watch, leading up to the next election, they'll be saying, oh, yeah, we're about jobs, we're about jobs. But they won't talk about the Lima Agreement and they won't, they won't reveal it. And they need to get rid of it so that we can have our jobs and manufacturing back in Australia. Just you watch. All right, I'll watch. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hmm. All right. Um, Luke, God help me. Luke, hello. Hey, Marcus. Um, I'd, I'd just like to c- commend Susan for her broad-minded thinking, putting the vaccine in the water. What a... Well, she, she's thinking out of the square a little bit. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm trying to think a little bit out of the square. All this, um, all the news seems to be flashing by on a on a like a 24-hour cycle. Let's slow down a little bit and think of all this talk about what's going to happen in America. Maybe all these um, riot situations, and he's got now 25,000 troops who are getting paid. A lot of them are weekend warriors. They're the National Guard. They're all going to really benefit from these um, riot situations. And I think the stability that Biden's going to bring, a lot of the Trump voters, the 70 million of them, remember he got like 80 million roundabout um, and won the election. I think they're going to really start to enjoy the stability rather than the, 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 the crazy um, circus show that was the Trump four years. Well, possibly, do you agree yeah, with that? Or well, yes. Um... Yes, I do. Uh, there needs to be uh, a calm brought back to the United States of America. Yes. That'd be it. And you've got the old Kamala Harris, too. I don't know how she's going to fit in there, but I think she'll be a little bit more commendable than Mike, Mike Pence at the moment. How is it that a president can suddenly turn on his friends? Apparently, Rudy Giuliani hasn't been paid for his work, and Mike Pence had the, had the Trump supporters <laughs> calling for him to be hanged and Nancy next. That was the, that was the chant call. Um, look... Honestly, he doesn't seem to be able to keep friends, and I'd say Mulaney is the next to go. Mulaney is going to put up with this guy for a little while longer, but uh, when is she going to walk out? That, do, you, do you feel that? Are you sensing that there's going to be a big wake-up call for Donald pretty soon? I don't know. I've seen some of the videos where she won't hold his hand, and she smiles at him, and then when he turns his head around, she looks like she's about to throw up. Yeah, I, I feel like... Um, the best move for her might be to distance herself a bit from that. And all of, Now, what about this? The media, we just watch this Fox media. A lot of people, I don't. But why is it called Fox? Is it because it's cunning and it's scheming? And foxes stink a bit as well. I know I've done a bit of fox hunting in my time. Um, but generally, I've never thought about that. Is the Fox media, Murdoch's media, really like a fox? Is it cunning? Is it, is it manoeuvring around and maybe not 
worried about the truth. Maybe it's more worried about what it can sell and make news entertainment rather than news being something that's true. That doesn't matter anymore. That, that's what I feel. Maybe there's a, a, a ch winds of change might be coming. The, the public are a little bit sick and tired of being lied to, I feel, and we're looking for something that we can rely on rather than a news that's not going to be... Um, you find out three days later that it was all just made up in some back room, you know? All right. Um, well, well said, Luke. Uh, you, yeah, is that it? Oh, just one more thing. Yeah. This is, this is a big message from me to Labor. Don't become a professional opposition. It's time to wake up. We need better leaders in this, in this um, our wonderful country. And I see a lot of the experience in the Labor, in the Labor opposition. There's some wonderful people there. Well, who would you go with if you, if you didn't keep Anthony Albanese? Well, I, I like Anthony Albanese because he's fairly straightforward. He's, he's also lived in Sydney. He knows what's kicking on. I'd also say Penny Wong. There, there's someone who I've got a lot of faith in. The experience that they've got leaves, leaves the, the um, administrative group in the Liberals and the National Party especially. They haven't got that sort of experience. They just seem to be in for their own good to fill their pockets. Whereas I feel the Labor Party has a lot of experience there, but don't become a professional opposition like that song Tori Amos, you know, professional widow. widow. Yep. Yeah, I, think I know. They've got right. to really pull their socks up a bit and start saying we're serious about helping, like Biden. We're serious about helping the people and we're going to do something that's going to bring stability and honesty and truth. No more following the Trump path because it, it leads to prison. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you, Luke. Well said. Um, uh, this is going to really Im uh, make Elsa and. Good morning, Elsa Matthews, the rest of the team that love to have a crack at us on the uh, unofficial John Laws fans page. Yes, you're listening, Elsa? Penny Wong would make a wonderful Prime Minister, wouldn't she, Elsa? Mm, go and write that there. And let's see all the rednecks come out on that page. Woo! There's a few doozies there, let me tell you. I happened to mention that just the other day that maybe it might be an idea to incorporate in some way, shape or form the Aboriginal flag or the Aboriginal colours in the Australian flag going forward in the future. And I think they said I was the most un-Australian broadcaster they'd ever heard. Oh, that's all right. You're, you mob will die out eventually, all you redneck racists. You'll go eventually. Uh, all right, uh, Richard is on the open line, 13 12 69. Hello, Richard. Yeah, hi. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, can I just draw your attention to a story that was aired on 60 Minutes last night, and it was aired a few months ago, which I also saw but I can understand why they had reason to air it again. Okay. And, and can I say at the outset that I don't have an axe to grind with the New South Wales Police Force, and I can, I can understand the sort of situations that their sex crimes unit uh, are confronted by can be very disturbing. So uh, what was the story about? Uh, I didn't see it, uh, Richard. So what was the story about last well, night? Well, well... well in a nutshell, because the whole the entire program was allocated to this story. Right. Back in 2016, 2017, uh, this woman, her brother, uh, her daughter, uh, another friend and somebody else were asleep in the dark of the night uh, in the Blue Mountains and all of a sudden their house was raided by the New South Wales Police Sex Crimes Unit 
and the TRG, you know, in the full SWAT uniforms. And they were terrorised and uh, they were herded out of the house and taken into custody. Um, this was that um, that circus school, wasn't it? The Cook family yes, that yes, ran a... Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, definitely. OK. Yeah, the story and, and, is... And I, the story... and I find it totally incomprehensible mm. how people were treated this way. All right. Well, I don't know because... too... Yeah, hang on. Hang on a sec. I don't know too much about it, but just let me tell my listeners that might be, mightn't be aware of the story. The Cook family run ran a much-loved circus school in Sydney's Blue Mountains but ended up in prison after being charged with 127 counts of monstrous child sexual abuse. But all the accusations were completely untrue, Richard. That's, uh, that's the crux of it, isn't it? That is entirely the crux of it. Yeah. And they had no physical evidence to go on. They were just the words of two young boys who were the sons of a family member who was a member of a fringe religious cult. And ultimately, one of her sons uh, recanted his story and said they were all lies, his accusations, but she more or less coaxed him to go back to what he had originally said. And the police, some of the stories that these these young children related were unbelievable, not only by any sane-thinking person, but also the judge and some police members. Um, how, how can... Uh... <laughs> Have you dumped that, Justin? Uh, did you dump it yet? Look, uh, you're going into some uh, pretty graphic detail there, Richard, and I don't really want to do that on this program at the moment. OK, but uh, thank you for your call. I'll have a look at the, uh, at the program at some point, um, but we don't need to be going into that in graphic detail. If you want to watch the story, I'm sure you can catch it on 60 Minutes. But, I mean, ultimately, um, the Cook family, who ran a much-loved circus school in Sydney's Blue Mountains, ended up in prison after being charged with a number of counts of monstrous child sexual abuse. The accusations were completely untrue. And, well, yes, it's unfortunate for them. I mean... Child safety, as I always say, is everybody's business. We need to protect children at all costs. Uh, But certainly if there's been a bit of a witch hunt uh, for this mob because they were from a, I don't know, some sort of fringe religion or whatever, you know, not everybody that's from a fringe religion is a child molester. In fact, probably most of them aren't. I know some are, and we've had those allegations and stories before, courts before, but just want to be a little careful with some of the stuff we talk about. But, mate, the story's there for everybody to have a look at and make up their own minds on. But thank you for the call.
five for those following the cricket. Australia lead by 109 runs. None for 76 in their second innings. Harris 33 and Warner 38 both not out. So a much better start than the first innings for those two. And uh, look, in particular, Australia uh, will need to bat well and try and bowl the Indians out if they want to win that is to regain the trophy that they're after, uh, the Gavaskar Border Trophy. Victoria has downgraded some parts of the Greater Sydney region from red to orange under its coronavirus risk rating, allowing some Victorians to return home from 6 o'clock tonight. Well, that is good news. The local government areas of Blacktown, Canada Bay, Burwood, Canterbury-Bankstown, Cumberland, Fairfield, Inner West, Liverpool, Parramatta and Strathfield will remain classed as red zones. Premier Daniel Andrews said all other zones in Greater Sydney as well as the Blue Mountains and Wollongong would be classified as orange. Now, if you're from one of the orange zones and you arrive in Victoria, you are required to get tested within 72 hours of arrival and quarantine until you receive a negative result. So it's a couple of days, probably. A number of New South Wales border communities will also be reclassified from orange to green at 6 o'clock, meaning people travelling to those communities do not need to get tested upon arrival back in Victoria. And that'll make things a lot easier on the borders. That's Albury, the Bega Valley, uh, Berrigan, Broken Hill, Edward River, Federation, Greater Hume, Hay, Lockhart, Murray River, Murrumbidgee, Snowy Monero, the Snowy Valleys, Wagga and Wentworth. So those LGAs are now orange. Sorry, I beg your pardon. They've been reclassified from orange to green. Okay, so, oh boy, oh boy. This traffic light system's giving me a headache. Anyway, if you're from any of those areas that I mentioned, you will be able to travel. Anyone with a pending exemption application to enter Victoria from the, from the Sydney red zones would not need to reapply, according to Dan Andrews. Their Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton said the 10 Sydney LGAs still classed as red zones contained exposure sites and were the remaining cases of transmission. OK. Fingers crossed for the remaining suburbs in Sydney, according to the Victorian government. Oh, boy, oh, boy. They say cases in wastewater testing in those suburbs would be revealed, uh, reviewed daily. Here's a little of what the Premier's had to say this morning in Victoria, just on this. Bankstown City, Burwood, Canada Bay City. Hang on, start again, Dan. We missed the start. Here we go. These remain red. Bankstown City, Burwood, Canada Bay City, Canterbury, Bankstown, Cumberland, Fairfield City, Inner West, Liverpool City, Parramatta City and Strathfield Municipality. All right, so all of those areas that Dan Andrews has just mentioned, sorry, Victoria is still off limits to you. The John Laws Morning Show on Sydney's 2SM 1269. Filling in for John Laws, Marcus Paul. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Connect with us at 2smsupernetwork.com. Email us. Check out our podcasts and listen live.
2smsupernetwork.com. All right, give us a call. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Uh, we'll go to Frank in just a moment, but emails coming through. Uh, trust a Craig Kelly fan to dismiss a professionally conducted survey and put all his trust in his own echo chamber. So says Anthony. Thank you, mate. Uh, this one as well has come through from Sean. G'day, Marcus. The tennis payments you've mentioned aren't as high as they appear. With the outgoings of travelling, coaching and hangers-on, they would barely cover the cost unless they win. Only guessing, but most of their income would come from sponsors. Regards, Sean. All right, mate, thank you for that. Appreciate it. (laughs) Just on the tennis... Alice Cornet, a French tennis player, has apparently apologised after a tweet um, that he made earlier today. And I'll read out his apology after my last tweet, which I have deleted. I feel like I need to apologise to you Australian people. Your reaction to this tactless comment made me realise what you've been through last year and how much you've suffered. I guess I feel a bit anxious about all this and I better have shut my mouth. Well, yes. Or let your racket do the talking. (laughs) Dozens of new wooden coffins have been discovered in Egypt. Some of them can be traced back to 3,000 years to the New Kingdom period. They were found at a World Heritage site, which is home to the Step Pyramid. There you go. New wooden coffins discovered in Egypt. It's our history lesson for the morning. (laughs) Oh, good on you, Scruff. Now you're telling me Elise's a girl. Why don't you put it at the top of the page, you buffhead? Elise, apparently, the French tennis player, it's a female. Well, I'm, I'm just supposed to know every tennis player. At least it's a name. A good-looking one as well, he says. I'm going to tell your wife that. Frank, good morning. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I, I had to laugh when you said that you wished you picked up a tennis racket when you were still in diapers. Oh, I well, could... I, I wish I had. <laughs> hey? Well, it's not bad money. It's not, it's not a bad earn, yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, 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 it's just the image of you in diapers with a tennis racket, Marcus. That's all. Well, uh, what about um, what's his name? He, he, the the golfer Tiger Woods was barely in diapers when he picked up his first putter. And look how good well, he did! Yeah, that was something special. That was amazing, wasn't it? That was, yeah, it was quite quite incredible. Oh, yeah. He was pretty pretty well out of diapers. But look, uh, Mark, you're talking about um, you know protecting people and children and so forth. Uh, look, a lot hasn't been said about this, but I think just recently the uh, Prime Minister brought in some uh, some laws regarding trolls and what they can say. I mean, people can get away with saying anything on the internet, and, and it's just totally unregulated and it needs to be regulated. I mean, just some of the obscene and rubbish and stuff, you know, yeah. and the effect it has on people. You, you remember that poor child um, dolly you know well of course that's why uh, they want things changed and there have been some good advocates of it lately um, you know I, as much as I like to say to people just get offline don't worry about it well unfortunately these days a lot of people have no choice but to be online they they you know talk to family members and and all the rest of it but that's beside the point you shouldn't have to 
You shouldn't have to put up with it, even if it is a, a forum like Facebook or social media or whatever, or Twitter and all the rest of it. People should be held to account for what they uh, what they produce online, and quite often it's usually from so-called fake accounts too. Yeah, well, they're hiding. Yeah, they're basically hiding behind with basically almost impunity. But I think the prime minister was talking about. Um, a $111,000 fine for individuals, for trolls. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something like a $500,000 fine for companies who don't bring the, you know, some really the really bad stuff if they don't take it down. But, but you know, what right has anyone got in any forum to get on and defame people as well? I mean, uh, you know, it's just... It's, just ridiculous that they can get away with defamation, uh, and, you know, and it can be very, very hurtful, and obviously to a lot of other people who have been hurt very badly, yeah. you know, um, and, and there's, there's so much more, it's like the Wild West, there's just so much more to do as well, but, you know, it's a, it's a good start that these mongrels just can't get out and defame people and, you know, drive some people to the edge, um, you know, now it's $111,000 fine for these trolls. And and so be it, um, because it's just oh, that, you know I, I just, it's just really low, Marcus. You know, so I'm I'm, I'm pleased. And, but there should be a lot more coming out on on the internet that needs to be regulated as well. It's just uh, you know it's uh, you fair know, enough. It's just, it's I just agree. Ridiculous. All right, Frank. Yeah, all right, mate. See you later. Have a good day. Thank you, mate. Uh, Pam. Good morning. How are you, Pam? Good morning. How are you? I'm all right, Pam. What's on your mind? Well, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Right. Every day I go out the back with grapes, and the geckos eat the grapes, and then they come up and wave to me, and one stood on my foot looking up, so I had to go inside and get more grapes. So they were waiting under the orange tree, and as soon as they got them, they run in the back fence. Anyway, yesterday I took my camera out, and he's a rat eating the grapes. Right. A rat. A rat. So yeah. we've, we've gone from geckos to rats. Now, tell me, Pam, yes. did the rats give you a, a little wave as well? No, no. It's right. the first time I've seen a rat in my yard. Oh, wow. Okay. It was a little baby fluffy rat. Yeah. And I told the man next door and he's going to poison them because the mother and father could be out the back. Well, we don't want, you know, rats breeding, even if they are nice and fluffy. We don't want them breeding in your backyard, do we? Yeah, but my son said that God's creatures don't poison them. What, rats? Uh, no, I don't so think, I think you could do without rats somehow. Oh, I don't want rats in my garden. No. No, that, the rats might scare away the geckos. I know. Yeah, we don't want that happen, do we? No. <laughs> so if any listeners know how to get rats out of your garden, please ring. Have you got... What about getting... Why don't you get a cat? No, we're not allowed cats or dogs in the village. Oh, you're not allowed cats or dogs? No, <laughs> no you're not allowed cats or dogs, but obviously no. there's plenty of rats and geckos. Yeah, we've got rats instead. Yeah. And kangaroos. Oh, kangaroos? Yeah, in the village. There were three out the front of my place last year. Nice. Well, kangaroos are lovely. 
Yeah, I took a photo of them. Nice. Where's this village you tell me so much about? Oh, Kavakai village at Tweed Head. At Tweed. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely spot. Oh, no, it's the best place in the world. So tell me, Pam, um, and I, I've seen geckos. I used to visit my family up at Springwood, up there in yeah. Brisbane, and the geckos would get on the front door and they'd just hang off the front door. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I lived at Raysdale in Brisbane for three years. Yes. I didn't like it. My husband was a train driver. Right. At Inderapilly, and that's the only New South Wales station, yes. Oh, okay. Apparently native rats, we're told, are protected. So you might have to live with the rats, Pam. Oh, my God. And the geckos. I'm frightened of rats. Well, stay away from them. <laughs> Even the geckos are frightened. They won't come near me now. Well, I'm frightened of this whole conversation. All right, New South Wales has recorded no new locally acquired cases of COVID-19 in the past 24 hours. That's to 8 o'clock last night. There were also eight cases recorded in return travellers. Great. We continue to import this rubbish. Anyway, it brings the total number of COVID-19 cases in New South Wales since the start of the pandemic, 4,885. New South Wales Health are treating 97 COVID-19 cases right now, only one of whom is of whom is in intensive care. Most cases, that is 98% are being treated in non-acute out-of-hospital care, including return travellers in the special health accommodation. So they're quarantined and so they should be, particularly if they have COVID-19. And we wish them all a speedy recovery. But only one person right now is in intensive care. All right, so we've got zero new locally acquired cases of COVID, but eight cases recorded in return travellers. I see the New South Wales Crime Commission fears poker machines are increasingly being used to launder money. It comes off the back of new figures showing profits in the final months of 2020 were up on the previous year despite widespread financial strain due to the pandemic. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Profits increased 1.9% and 6.5% in November and December last year. So the Crime Commission thinks there's something a little fishy going on here. They fear that poker machines are increasingly being used to launder money. All right, meanwhile, police are investigating... uh, This is an awful story, this one. A triple fatality in the Hunter, or the Upper Hunter. A Utes and a Kia Carnival collided head-on in Musselbrook at around 9.30 last night. Now, the two drivers, both men, died at the scene. It was on Bengala Road... And a female passenger from the People Mover sadly also died, while a male passenger was critically injured. All right, uh, now, Marcus Harris is gone. He's been, uh, I think he's caught or something anyway. 38s he got off 82 deliveries. They're in a bit of a rush, Warner and Harris. So Australia currently lead by 122 runs, and Australia are now 1 for 89 in their second innings. 
All right, welcome back to the program. 131269 is the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. And I've got a couple of emails that have come through. Uh, this one is from Graham regarding uh, perhaps changing Australia Day. No, we don't need to change it. But anyway, Graham says, Marcus, I think we need to change Australia Day and celebrate it on Feb 11. This is the National Day of Japan. By doing this, it would instil in all Australians, including Aboriginals, just how lucky we are to have Australia uh, or to have had Australians back then to fight this enemy at the time and keep this land to ourselves. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think we need to revisit that. I mean, we do each and every Anzac Day and, of course, on other commemorations. Do we really need to... No, that's silly. Just leave it where it is. I mean, the survey says quite clearly that more than two-thirds of Australians, in fact, nearly 70% of Australians, want Australia Day left on the day that it is, January the 26th each and every year. Well, I see that uh, Shane Warne is now gone. So Australia 2 for 91, leading by 124. Norm, hello, mate. Are you there? G'day, mate. How are you? All right, thank you, Norman. What's on your mind? Well, I'd just like to uh, remark about Australia Day. Yes. Um, I'm in perfect agreement with the 62%. Yep. And it doesn't matter what day they change it to, it will not alter the fact that Australia was settled, not invaded, settled in in uh, 26th of January. Well, that's right. Uh, I mean, some people um, obviously will disagree with us, but that's okay. Yes. That's okay. People can, um, you know, view history the way they like. But at the end of the day, if even if you view it unfavourably, I mean, I view the first and second and every subsequent war unfavourably. I, I never quite understood uh, why we sent young men away to be Machine gun fodder. Oh, mate, but tell I me still, about I it. Still, I've done three years of that. Well, there you go. But I still commemorate it. I don't yes. agree with it, but I exactly. have to. It's history. You can't change it. But get back to a point. Uh, the, the Indigenous people are very, in my opinion, disrespectful when they burn the Australian flag. Well, yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not illegal to burn an Australian flag. No, it's an act but, of protest. Um, yeah, but you take it if a white man went and burnt an Aboriginal flag. Well, there'd be hell to pay with uh, uh, With the river. Well, that's it. Yeah, but in the army, I met blokes. Uh, I never met one pure blood Aborigine. I met half caste and that sort of thing. Yep. And they were all great blokes, great soldiers. Yep. And they all referred to them as darkies. Well, I mean, times have changed. Imagine if you tried... I don't know whether we can use that term these days, but you'd probably get into a little trouble for doing so. But, Norm, thank you. I'm glad that we're in uh, furious agreement that Australia Day should remain on the day that it is each and every year, and that is January 26th. Thanks, mates. Well... Wet, wet, wet. Sweet little mystery, and that's what it's going to be. Uh, certainly wet up there in far north Queensland. Good luck to everybody uh, in relation to Cyclone. Uh, Nikki, we'll keep an eye on that for you, because uh, it could be, uh, you know, quite concerning around Port Douglas a little later on. All the details here on the Super Radio Network. Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. You may-
Okay, well, that's it for me today. Thank you for your emails, all of your phone calls. You can follow us on social media. There'll be a full podcast of uh, our show today up there a little later. Just follow the hashtag, Marcus Paul in the morning on Facebook, etc. Have a wonderful day. We'll catch you again for Lawsy tomorrow. John Law's back, of course, on Monday, February the 1st.